Hey guys, welcome to Insight, a special Sunday night edition with uh, your friends, Michael, Christian Patriot Network, and Gino. We are your hosts tonight, and we have a very, very special guest. Uh, I am so super excited, and I know Michael feels the same way. We have Joseph Jordan on, who is the president and founder of uh, CE4 Research. You can find him on YouTube. I will put the links in below uh after the show when this thing uploads but we are super excited uh joe is a 27 year member of the mutual ufo network the world's oldest largest uh and volunteer not-for-profit a civilian secular ufo investigation and research organization he is currently the mufon national director for south korea the state section director for brevard county florida a mufon rapid deployment star team member and a member of mufon inner circle uh, by profession he is a safety professional for jeff bezos blue origin rocket manufacturing facility in Merritt island florida adjacent to the kennedy space center he is a born-again bible-believing christian and head of ce4 research group an investigative research group that studies the so-called alien abduction phenomenon from a christian perspective the research findings of CE4 Research Group, the most powerful evidence in the world today of the true nature of the entities behind the so-called alien abduction experience, have been published in over 37 different authored books in the past two decades. He has recently released his new book, Piercing the Cosmic Veil, You Shall Not Be Afraid of the Terror by Night, where the published findings of the 20-plus years of CE4 Research Group lean toward a more likelihood of the visitors being of an interdimensional or spiritual nature, rather than an extraterrestrial biological entities. This book is now available to order on Amazon and paperback, as well as on in the uh, Kindle format. And guys, please welcome Mr. Joseph Jordan. Joe, how are you tonight, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, what an honor, sir. What an honor. We are, uh, before, the, you know, the pre, pre-show, we were talking about how much we just admire your work and your research, and uh, and I know you're up against it in that industry. Uh, this isn't a popular message <laughs> by far, uh, but, you know, I it's so necessary because we've been duped. Mm-hmm. We have been, we have, you know, the wool's been pulled over our eyes, and they just expected everybody to go along with it. And I always had my suspicions, and I know Michael had his that there was something more to this phenomenon. And and that's why we love uh, having you on tonight. And um, Joe, go ahead, introduce yourself a little bit. If, if there's anything more to add to that bio, that was in a very impressive bio, by the way. <laughs> uh, thank you. It's just, you know, it's the culmination of a lot of years coming together. To, uh, it's it's kind of like building my bio for my, you know, my resume for my job. You know, it, 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 it becomes something of value after a lot of time and a lot of experience, you know, where you can put it all together on a piece of paper mm-hmm. for the next employer, you know, <laughs> right. Uh, it, it's taken a, a lot of work and a, um, a lot of travel and working with a lot of people and a lot of experiencers to be able to, you know, to... Oh, we lost. You still there? So oh, we lost you for a second. You uh, froze up for about five seconds. I think we got the gist of it, though. Yeah. Yep. Can you hear us? Okay, good. Excellent. I, I do. Okay. I do. So, uh, Michael, how you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm fantastic. I've been looking forward to this stream. This is not our usual time, and so it was uh, as soon as, as soon as I knew we were having uh, Mr. Jordan on as a guest, I, I I sent some messages out. My father-in-law he 
he loves uh, this topic. And so I sent him a message right before the stream. Hopefully he can tune in. And Is your father-in-law uh, still going to like the topic after we're done tonight? <laughs> he will. He will. Okay, in good. fact, he, he has stories of family members out because he grew up, he grew up um, way out in the middle of nowhere on the farm. Mm -hmm. And he has stories of family members who had seen things and had, you know, they were it after the fact they were white as sheets they were they didn't know what they saw they you know and, and they didn't tell very many people because of you know the nature of mm -hmm. just how how you could be ridiculed for it and so and so this is just a, it's an exciting topic for sure and uh looking forward to having this chat tonight thank you for coming on again sure. yes thank you so much um you know before michael asks this question I, I i'd like to add something to what he just said is it still that same stigma that's attached to people when they come forward and say you know i think i've seen something i mean because it seems like it's it's kind of become pop culture almost now whereas before you were the quack down the road and just stay on your farm and and you know just you know pull your potatoes out of the ground or something <laughs> am i wrong or <laughs> Well, it's it's lightened up a little bit, but there's still a stigma to it. You know, if you watch the you know these news newscasters, you know maybe the big ones, you know like uh, you know the major channels, they don't seem to ridicule it as much when they take on an interview. You know, mm -hmm. with some of these big names like Nick Pope or Louis Elizondo or or Richard Dolan or somebody that comes mm -hmm. on to cover this stuff. But if you look at some of the local channels, you know, in different areas, you know, they, they still come on with, uh, you know, some snide remark when they, you know, they start the pod, you know, start the, you know, the cast of it. Um, they still got to make a remark, you know, it's so it's it's maybe gained a little bit of attention, a little bit of respect, but not much. Okay. Um uh, guys, by the way, I should say this ahead of time too. Get ready with your questions. If you want to drop them in the chat in the second hour, or you want to, uh, you know, call in and talk to Joe yourself, you're more than welcome to. I'll drop the link in the chat a little later. But uh, other than that, we're going to get right at it. I'm super excited. And uh, Michael, what do you got for him? Well, that was my question. What you just asked was my question. You just <laughs> took it from me. No, no, no. I have so many questions, and now that you're now now, now that it's time to ask questions. You forget. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I almost before before I add the que the question that's pressing me, it seems a bit advanced. Um, to start I feel off like with. I need to ask it a little bit later on after gotcha. some things get explained that because um, because I'm. I don't know if all of our audience is. A lot yeah. of them have been with us through the last two podcasts, so they're they're kind of on board with where we are. Um, and so I guess more more than more than anything, uh, maybe maybe Mr. Jordan can send, uh, can can uh, just kind of lay out like a layman's uh, yeah story, uh, so to speak, of of what what his research is in kind of a short form. And then that way I can kind of because my questions have more to do with the spiritual gotcha. um, than with the the physical and some of the stuff. Yeah, so if you could just kind of lay out the groundwork of what what this whole abduction phenomena is, and um, and and even how you just you know got involved in it in the first place, that would be uh, interesting. I guess that I guess that's the most important way to do this is how did I come about this? Because if I'm telling people that I'm a Christian and I'm getting ready to tell you about alien abductions, uh, most people are going to think that I'm going to try and debunk it, uh, but that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to give you a Christian perspective as a Christian researcher on 
the so-called alien abduction phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not telling you that you know this this doesn't exist at all for these people. No, these people absolutely believe that what they've experienced is, has happened to them. Okay, what I have done is taken a look to see what is it that they believe has happened to them. The way I got started into this was uh, kind of by accident. Um, I was on a vacation trip to visit my brother up in Alaska and stopped in the airport over there in Orlando, uh, headed up to Alaska, 10 hour flight or more. Um, This was back before we had all the electronics that you could use on a plane to spend the time. I needed a book or a magazine to read. So I stopped in one of the kiosks, looked around, tried to find something to pick up as a magazine, nothing interested me. Went through the paperback section, uh, being a science fiction reader, I was looking for something science fiction to pass the time. Found one book, caught my attention. It looked to be science fiction. Picked it up, turned it around, looked at the back of it. It said it wasn't science fiction. That puzzled me. Because science fiction, there's a solid black line between fiction and nonfiction. You know that. It's separated. There's no blur. Mm -hmm. This book blurred that line between reality and non-reality. The name of that book was UFO Crash at Roswell. It said it was a scientific investigation into this so-called flying saucer crash in 1947 in Roswell, New Mexico. And I went, what? That's science fiction. How can this be a scientific investigation into this? It's sci-fi. So that puzzled me. I didn't believe in flying saucers. That was science fiction. So I bought the book just because it interested me. Uh, I read that thing pretty fast. (laughs) All it did was open up a huge can of question worms for me. Um, And I had to know more. I said, if these people believe this is real, I'm missing something here. So I became just consumed with this quest to find out what this was about. And over the next few months, that's where my focus was on. What is this? What is this? What is this? What is this about? Is these people really serious thinking that something else is out there and it's not science fiction? So trying to make this short chain of events led me to a gentleman in Orlando, introduced me to MUFON, said, hey, you got an interest in this? You can actually be part of the investigation yourself introduced me to this organization that it was about investigations. You could become an investigator, a researcher yourself. I joined MUFON, the end of 1992, Um, worked my way up as a field investigator. He helped me out on how to do that. Uh, Next thing I know, he's saying, you know, I live in Orlando. I used to run a group over here as a state section director, you live in Rivard County, there's no chapter there. If you're interested, you can start your own chapter, train up field investigators yourself, respond to calls that come in, you know, for citing reports, and you can be part of the process that's trying to get answers to this phenomenon. I thought, oh, how cool can that be? So a little bit of my ego got sucked up into that, and I said, let's go. So I started a chapter here in Brevard County, long time ago, mid nineties, and uh, trained up field investigators under me to work with me. We were taking reports in, following up on them. Uh, 
And uh, we were on the road to trying to find out what this was about. Part of what they had to do as a state section director was hold a monthly meeting open to the public, you know, try to bring people into MUFON for membership, try to raise funds, uh, educate the public on the UFO phenomenon, which I'm again now doing here in Brevard County <laughs> as a state section director again, um, now that I'm back in Florida. And when I did that, people started coming because people have an interest in this and it's a free meeting. You invite them, you educate them, try to get them to become members, train them up as field investigators if they're interested. But you know what? The people that started coming, they all had stories to tell. And I'd listened to their stories. And the thing was, they thought we had the answers because we were MUFON. They thought we were the ones that were going to help them. We couldn't help them. We were hoping they would help us so that we could help them. And we'd listen to all their different stories. A lot of them had UFO sighting stories, but there was a special group of them that had these strange stories, abduction stories, contact stories. And as we listened to them really intently, I realized something that kind of clicked in my mind. I said to my fellow field investigators, I said, guys, just thinking logically here, if we're following sighting reports after the fact of things that people see in the sky that are so-called spaceships or whatever, that's what they think they are. These people are saying that they're having encounters with the people that are flying those things. So logically thinking, we should be following those people. Mm -hmm. We should be interviewing them and finding out as much as we can from them because they're front line. And they all kind of agreed with me. And we decided to focus our research with the abductees and the contactees. Can I interrupt you for one second, Joe? That, sure. This kind of baffles me. So no one had, prior to you, no one had thought of that, like to ask these well, people? Well, in a way, yeah, there were some researchers out there that were working with abductees. Um, there were some big names, uh, but not on a low level like we were doing. Uh, Bud Hopkins was out there doing mm -hmm. that. Um, there was some, you know, um, David Jacobs was already starting into it. Uh, there were some big names that were working into, but not many, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, this was way back in the beginning of all of this. And we started working with the local ones that we had. And the first thing we decided to do was educate ourselves as much as we could on the abduction research that was available out there in books and videos so that we would not do any more harm to these people mm. before we started in working with them because these people were distraught these people were suffering from all sorts of issues i mean it was almost like they were suffering from a form of ptsd from these experiences that they were having so we didn't want to harm them in any way we just wanted to be able to interview them and try to find out what were the common things between their experiences just like everybody else was doing, trying to find those, you know, the, the common factors to try to find an answer about what was happening there. Um, 
as we started into it, we weren't finding anything different than the rest of the research we were finding. Now, keep in mind, we're all MUFON field investigators doing this research. But at this time, MUFON was not set up to formally investigate abductions. They really still aren't. They have a uh, experience or research team that works with abductees now, but it's not really a, a formalized way to investigate abductions yet, because it's just such a bizarre experience to deal with. Um, we were just taking as many notes and as possible, you know, with the experience with their testimonies. As we started doing this, we went back to our, you know, you know, our, our training as field investigators, and, you know, we were all trained to use the scientific method, mm -hmm. and we realized that none of this was going to be able to be used for, you know, MUFON, uh, MUFON database, like they use for the UFO database. Mm -hmm. So right away, we figured we better separate ourselves from MUFON because there's no way for MUFON to take the information at the time. So that's when we decided to set up a separate entity and call it CE4 Research Group. Um, CE4 stands for Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind which happens to be the classification that represents abductions. Uh, just a simple name, you know, that's what, that's all it means. Um, and it's, I've kept that name ever since, you know? And uh, so we set up a separate entity to work under, but we've always made the research findings available for anybody for peer review, even MUFON, hmm. you know? We never hid anything from them. But we wanted to make sure that everybody was working under MUFON's research standards so that it would be acceptable for peer review. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we kept the scientific method in the way that we did the research. And the way we started out is we picked a, a hypothesis to put out there. And right at this time is when um, I became a Christian in 1996 um there were some things that happened before that but i became a new christian in 1996 and when i became a christian after working as a non-christian with these abductees the first question that came to mind as we started into setting up a hypothesis was um are Christians being abducted by aliens? I said, let's just pick something simple. It ought to be quick and simple to get an answer to that, you know, because I really wasn't seeing any. So I thought this ought to go quick. We'll get a quick answer. We'll knock this one out and then we'll go for another one. And uh, cause that's the way, that's the way you do research. Start with one, get an answer to it, go for another one. So the first one we put out there are Christians being abducted by aliens. We expected to get a quick answer. Uh, we did. The answer was yes and no. <laughs> not what we expected. That makes it, yeah, that makes it easy. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't good. That was not what we expected. Well, why yes and no? Because what we found out was something brand new for us as believers, because there were a couple of us that were believers and some of us that weren't. Um, but as believers, we found out that there were actually 
two kinds of believers. There were those that we ended up giving a term to as talk the talk believers mm -hmm. and walk the walk believers. And over the years, people have hated me using those terms, but <laughs> especially sorry is what it is. Yeah, especially the Christian community. <laughs> yeah, <guess>. especially them. <laughs> But sorry, it, it is what it is. You know, sure. mm -hmm. uh, you want to use another name, come up with another name. I'll use it. <laughs> but it, it was easy to sort out that way. But what we found out is <laughs> walk the walk believers, people that were true to the true to true to the Lord's teachings, true to what the Bible was teaching us, keeping a close relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not having these experiences. But those that profess to be Christians, but we're still walking in the world, we're having these experiences. Hmm. Which also led us to answering some questions that the secular researchers were not able to do in the research as we went along and started collecting our data over the years working with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cases the christian the, the secular researchers are still asking the question why does this even happen to certain people why do certain people have the abduction experience you know they, they give all sorts of excuses out there like oh because it follows rh negative bloodline blah 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 <laughs> you know it's it's, uh, you know, it, it's hereditary, you know, you know, all physical attributes rather than a, yeah, it's, a spiritual. It's physical, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's physical attributes. And it, you might see that there. Yes, but that's not the reason. Um, and then they also said that these experiences couldn't be stopped. Well, what we found in the research as we went along the answers to why does this happen to some people when it goes back to the walk to the talk the talk believers what we found there was there were three reasons that it was happening to them not either it was one of the reasons it was happening to them or a combination of the three you either ask for it you people listening probably going what people ask for this I, yeah they do joe i mm -hmm. i honestly you know before i was a christian i was really kind of delving into new age I, I wasn't in it but i was really interested in that kind of stuff and it kind of led into the alien thing and, and i had already been fascinated by aliens since i was a little kid and i remember thinking man i would love to be abducted i would love to see one of these things you know as a as a young guy so i, I get that it makes sense um, well, and that that was actually one of that was going to be one of my questions was about the people who are practicing calling these things in now. But we'll yes. get to that later. Uh, yeah, bring that back up. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, back then, I mean, even myself, I was one of those guys, you know, before I became a believer, I, I was I didn't believe in this alien stuff. I never really did. Um I was one of those guys from Missouri. I said, you got to show me. And there just wasn't enough evidence there to show me that there was alien. It was enough to show me that something weird was going on. And, you know, I used to visit other UFO groups, you know, uh, one up in Day Edgewater, just south of Daytona. I used to frequent theirs. I was their MUFON guy that would come up and give a MUFON, you know, news that was going on. But I would drive that 45 minutes back down I-95 to where I live. 
you know, in my, in my pickup truck with the window down, yelling out the window, show me something, you know? <laughs> so yeah, you got to be careful what you ask for, yeah. you know, but yeah, people do ask. Well, that's not the most common. The, the second one is your most common. Those are the people that unknowingly open the door to this experience. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that are dabbling in the occult, the paranormal, um, new age practices, the metaphysical realm, anything that God says in his word, don't mess with that, mm -hmm. okay? These are the things that open up to this realm, especially if you're actually looking into this phenomenon itself. What we found in the end run with the UFO phenomenon is anybody that attempts to look into it, its goal and its end run of it, it takes a person's eyes off the one true God. Absolutely. That's the end result. Yep. Okay. So you got to watch what you're looking into. Okay. This is what this, this is what this phenomenon does to people. The third one puzzled us when we, when it came to us, because I had adults experiencers that were telling me, I don't fit those first two. I don't understand how this happened to me. And I said, well, explain to me, you know, what you're talking about. And they said, well, I remember having these experiences since I was a child. So I wasn't dabbling in anything and I wasn't asking for it. I was just a child. So that one puzzled me. And as a Christian, I knew that this stuff had to be backed up with scripture somewhere because I was seeing everything I found scripture backed it up. So I started digging deep and I found this one where it talks about this one goes back Old Testament, but it still talked about the, the father being the spiritual head of the household. Mm -hmm. And if the father wasn't keeping that spiritual covering over that household, the children were susceptible as just as well as, you know, he was. So it's very important as fathers that we keep the spiritual covering over our family and the household. And it's, I started yeah. investigating, going back and asking completely different questions to these experiencers. I wasn't interested in their testimony about their experience anymore. Now I was interested in, what do you remember about your family life? What do you remember about your parents? What was your father and mother into? What, did they go to church? Were they affiliated with any groups? Every time I found major open doors with the parents that led to these experiences with the children. So it always came back to an open door. And that's an answer that still the secular realm is still trying to find that common factor. Well, like I said, we found that common factor and it's those open doors, those doors to areas that God said, don't open. Mm -hmm. Okay. That now, makes total sense. Sorry to interrupt, but that makes total yeah. sense with what is going on in our country right now. They've been trying to destroy the family for 40, 50 years. And in the spiritual head of the family is the father, according to the Bible. I mean, we're, yeah. we're to protect our wives, protect our children, protect our home. And what they've done is they emasculated us 
They've told us we're toxic masculinity. And, and what does that do? That removes that shield from your family by removing the, the head, the, the male head of the family. And that's, it, it, it makes total sense what you're saying that that would open the door to the spiritual demonic realm also. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that brings me to, uh, I think we've talked about it on the show, Gino, my childhood, my dad being in the Rosicrucian order, having his altar in my room and some of the early, early memories that I remember from being two or three years old, seeing these entities, these things in the room, I wouldn't call it an abduction, an abduction experience. It was more like things that were around me that weren't touching me, that weren't interacting with me, but I could see them. I could sense them there and it scared me. And of course, mom calls it, you know, parents as we are, as we grow up in the veil comes over our, our eyes, you know, oh, you had a uh, nightmare, honey. But still to this day, those are so vivid. And I started connecting the dots one day and my mom and I were sitting here talking. And I remember, you know, my dad had something in my room. She said, yeah, his altar was in there. And his, uh, he was part of that Rosicrucian order, you know, with the secret knowledge, nobody, you know, nobody shares and all of that. I can see how you can open those doors, you know, for your children, unfortunately. Yep. Now, I'll, I'll back up a little bit on the to get the answer to the other one that the secular realm was still asking um, or still saying. When I first became a believer, and I, I and the Lord showed me what this was, uh, that this was not something that we should have been part of, um, I repented of being part of it completely. And I told the Lord, I said, I will have no more part of this. You know, I'll put this work behind me completely. And he pretty much let me know. He says, nope, you got work to do. You're to take this back where you came from. And I said, Lord, I can't take your word back where I came from. I came from the new age and the metaphysical realm. And they don't believe your word. They think it's just, you know, crazy ramblings of old men from the past. You know, I can't take your word back to those people. I said, you got to give me something better. And, you know, nobody told me as a new believer that you don't talk back to God, but I, I did. <laughs> uh, so I thought I had him pretty much held off at that point and I uh, thought I was out of, out of having to do any work, but he still had a plan. And a uh, little bit of time went by and little voice, still voice in my head says, you already have it. And I didn't know what that meant. After hearing it a few times, uh, I went back to my lead investigator, my co-founder of CE4, who was also a Christian. I said, need some advice here. And I explained to him what was happening. And uh, he was kind of amazed. And he says, uh, he says, what do you think that means? We already have it. I says, I don't know. What The only thing we have are these testimonies that we've been videotaping. I said, uh, maybe we missed something. So we went back and we checked these videos out again, ones that we'd already recorded. And lo and behold, there was this video that we had done about six months prior to me becoming a believer. And there was this gentleman that worked at the Space Center. He'd been coming to our meetings and he was an abductee also, had sightings and was also an abduction experiencer. And we had videotaped him in his home. And when we rewatched the video, we both looked at each other. Do you remember this? He goes, no. And it's like 
when we sat there and listened to his story while video it, it's like we were blinded and completely deafened to what he was saying because it was like we were hearing it for the first time when we watched the video. And on this video, he stated that while he was having this experience, it was like a, a, a horrible, evil experience where he, he remembers being levitated up and it felt like he was having a pole shoved up his rectum and oh my total God. fear. He cries out because he was a believer a new believer mm -hmm. and he cries out jesus 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 and instantly he felt like he was thrown back in the bed and he wakes up and his wife wakes up beside him and says why are you jumping on the bed hmm. and i looked at my partner and i said do you understand what just happened there and he says i'm not sure and he says he just stopped that experience that was unheard of. We were told by every leading researcher that wasn't possible to stop an experience. But yet we had it on a recording, a video recording of the gentleman telling us that he had stopped the experience while it was happening and instantly woke up in the bed. Hmm. And I'd look at my partner and I said, if this is real, this is huge. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is something I can take back. So this is where this all started. Because I went to contact a handful of those leading researchers by phone, personal phones, back when before we had cell phones. That means I called them at their home. And I talked to them and I shared with them this story. I said, guys, I got a strange story here. And I just like a little advice on it. And they said, share what you got. And I did. And I shared the story with them. And every one of them, as I shared the story, said, can we go off the record? And I said, sure, I don't mind. I said, I just need some advice on how to deal with this. I just like to know what I'm dealing with here. Because I've never heard any, any, you guys talk about anything like this. Well, here we are off the record, and they all said the same thing, same answers. We've come across cases like that ourselves, where people either prayed, sang a hymn, quoted scripture, hmm. and experience stopped. And I said, but you never said that. You all stated that this could not be stopped. Why? Have you not stated this? And they all had the same answer. We didn't know what to make of it. But that wasn't the only answer. They, it's like, I don't know how you say it. It's like they weren't satisfied with that answer. It's almost know. like cognitive dissonance. <laughs> it's like yeah. this, this, let, I, you know, what I've discovered, this is in all science. You see it all over the place, whether it's evolution or, you know, whatever they're talking about. I've noticed, uh, it. first of all, it depends on the grant money. That's always a big part of it. But secondly, of course, it's always money. But the second part is their worldview. If you do not yeah. have a Christian point of view, if you do not, and again, I, I don't know, if, I can't remember, we mentioned this before we started or, or after, but if you go into an investigation and you already have your mind set 
on on just staying i'm staying right here i'm not going looking left or right you're going to miss a whole bunch of information yeah. and and i see that over and over and over again in the sciences and and i know uh, i don't know if you know who dr frank turk is from uh, cross cross examined ministries he says uh science doesn't say anything scientists say something yeah and i think that just applies with what you're saying here yeah well, their second answer that they, they all gave to follow the first one, like it wasn't enough of an answer, was we were afraid to go there because it might affect our credibility in the realm. Mm. So instead so, of helping people and something that might possibly help human beings yeah. caught in a situation, they just ignored the evidence. Yeah. Wow. So I told them, I said, guys, you know, I thank you for your time. I thank you for the, you know, for the support. Um, I said, you've answered the question that I needed to hear, that this is a true event. You know, it's something that I know that there's more of out there. And I said, as part of my research, I'm going to take it on. I'm going to take on this piece of the UFO puzzle and I'm going to go after it and I'm going to document it. I got nothing to lose here. I don't, I work for a living. I don't live off books or research or anything else. <laughs> I said, so I'm going to take this on and that's what ce4 has done for the last 25 years is we put ourselves out there that we were looking for these testimonies and we posted it everywhere that we could possibly get our information out there that this is the type of testimony that we were looking for where people couldn't share this anywhere else that they had stopped their experiences in the name and authority of jesus christ well Next thing we know, they started coming in. And we're going, this is perfect. We've got us a research. We've got us a research that we can start compiling evidence on. Well, that was all fine and dandy until that first email came that floored us. And everything changed. Because here we were, trained investigators, trained researchers, trying to compile evidence to, you know, to form a database to where we could share with the world, you know, a finding. And then this email comes in and it says, I saw your research findings. Can you help me? Hmm. That's a whole nother, <laughs> that's a whole nother being. Well, I had to answer it. And I said, well, looking at what we have found, I think that we have enough here to show you and you can learn from. And I think that this will also work for you. And it did. Hmm. What, what do we now have? You've got, got multiple accounts with the same name being used, ending an event. Experiment. Yeah, we got repeatability. Repeatability. Yes. Yep. yes. Absolutely. That's what yep. you have to have for research. Hmm. There's no other repeatability right. in the UFO community. Mm -hmm. Nobody's called down ships a second time or sightings a second time. Hmm. Good point. This is Man. what scares the UFO community. 
So Joe, so, real quick, I'm sorry to interrupt again. I, I just I, I don't want to forget these questions as you're going because oh, go I have to. I'm absolutely astounded that you're still a member of MUFON (laughs) (laughs) that they would, and you've actually climbed the, uh, you know, the company ladder, so to speak. I don't understand with, with their perspective on this. And I mean, I, to me, it just seems these big organizations want to perpetuate, you know, perpetuate this, this thing and keep it going instead of, you know, like a solution just doesn't seem like good business as a good business model, if I can use that, I know they're, um, the funding is, is MUFON funded by, uh, just like donations or is, are they actually, okay. Yeah. So, and is that a, um, that's a nonprofit I'm guessing. Yes. Okay. So that, that just fascinates me that they would allow that to continue when that really doesn't line up with the rest of their research. I mean, is, am I on the right? But I'm not. I'm not speaking as MUFON. Okay, so this is through CE4 rather than mm-hmm. through their organization. But but sure. But the but the evidence stays at CE4, or do you kind of just slowly drip it into MUFON? No, it's at CE4. Okay. It's welcome. It's welcome for them to see it. Gotcha. You know, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> this is a question that always comes up, and I love being able to explain it. Uh, people always ask me the question, well, why are you still with MUFON? Why would you want to be with that secular organization? Let's answer that one first. Because the one thing about MUFON that's most important, and, I, and I, I'm plugging MUFON right now, mm-hmm. okay? And I, and I do every time because there's a reason for it. I learned to think properly through the training I got with MUFON as a, to become a field investigator and to become a researcher using a scientific method, okay? Most people today don't think properly. I don't know whether it's because of the lack of attention they, they, you know, they give their class in public education or what, I don't know, um, but there's so many people that you go into this, these, these areas out there of study and it's all about, well, I believe, well, nobody asks you what you believe. Show me the evidence, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, right. because you gotta, <laughs> this is about evidence. It's not right. about what right. you believe. Okay. When I move on, I don't talk about what I believe. I bring evidence. What you believe has nothing to do with the evidence, mm-hmm. okay? If the evidence gives you the answer, now you can believe, okay? And I even have issues, you know, that they even use a flying saucer on their emblems. You know, I don't like that because MUFON has no evidence for flying saucers. Seems like you know? programming. <laughs> it, it is. Well, yeah. I know why they do it. I'm, I've been told why they do it because, you know, the idea is to get funding for big research you know to be able to use the science labs and stuff for for the real research that takes big money well the people that got the money are the, are the believers so you want to attract the believers sure. to spend their money on your organization okay i got that so i don't fuss about that too much <laughs> um Go ahead, show an alien, show a flying saucer, if that's what it takes to get the money in. But MUFON will tell you there is no evidence 
no evidence hmm. for extraterrestrials. Wow. And MUFON's been around for how long? Since 1969. Wow. And they say no evidence to this day on their website or in their To, to prove state. that there's, there's nothing. We wow. have nothing. That's amazing. We have plenty of evidence that there's a definite phenomenon that needs to be studied. Mm-hmm. But there is no evidence that this is extraterrestrial in origin. I, I noticed uh, interdimensional has become kind of the buzzword in it the has. Uh, UFO community the last 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. But let me finish out with MUFON. Sure, right. sure. My work, I've had the opportunity to talk about my work with every MUFON director, except the most recent. And probably one day I will, uh, because a lot of people are still talking about my work. Hmm. I've had a love-hate relationship with MUFON since I've been with them, since I've been with CE4. (laughs) Um, Because a lot of non-believers, Christians, non-Christians in MUFON, don't like that I do both. They say, well, that's a conflict of interest. Well, why is that a conflict of interest? You know, if what if I was just sharing the gospel? Would that be a conflict of interest if I was still MUFON and just sharing the gospel message, nothing about aliens? How's that any different? So what are you telling me here? Yet in the Bible, in the, you know, the, the whole thing about becoming a member, you can be whatever you want. You can be any religion, any race, whatever. Okay. They just don't like my findings is what it is. Mm-hmm. I've had the opportunity to talk to every one of the past international directors about my work. They haven't had a problem with it. The only problem they've had with it is they don't know how I could share it. You know what I mean? On sure. on one of their platforms. Mm-hmm. I'm working on that. Because I've done the research the right way, and they know that. This is why I promote MUFON. Because you want to do proper research, they can train you to do it properly. You want to look at this phenomenon, and you want to look at it the right way, let them show you how. Because this, because I did this the right way with them, and this is where it led me. So I do promote them. And this promoting them the whole time I've been working with this CE4 has kept me in this, you know, love-hate relationship with them. Well, I was going to say, it's probably not a a reciprocal relationship. I'm guessing they're not really promoting CE4's research at the moment. No, they're not. But (laughs) I actually, you know, I was able to, they didn't have any problem with me you know, paying for uh, a space in their journal to advertise my book, you know, they were all right with that. It's good information. It's good research. And uh, I imagine it, it, I imagine it can upset. um, When you were talking, yes. When you were talking about the, the rejection of the, the conclusions or the, the rejection of the, the, the data, um, I thought about when I read A Purpose Driven Life before I was a believer. 
and I got all the way to the point of, okay, it's time. It's, it's time to be born again. And I put the thing down and never picked it back up. And so it's almost as if admitting to this data, it, it gives power to the name that has power, Jesus. Yes. And so it, it, it it's a big, um, it's a big step to accept that data if you're not a believer, because exactly. it means a heck of a lot more than this is just information. This is this this is saying that there's a lot more to this than uh, a lot of people want to let on. I think. Yep. You know, the first time I had really big exposure with this was uh, I had an opportunity to speak at the uh, Roswell 60th anniversary conference in uh, Roswell, New Mexico at the UFO festival. Um, one of my partners, Guy Malone was, uh, he was the MC for the, for the conference that year for the city. And, uh, he got me in, got me in there as a speaker. And, uh, the title of my, <laughs> my talk was the unwanted piece of the UFO puzzle. <laughs> and catchy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had a packed house for that little, that little, room that I was in. It was standing room only. Yeah. And it came to the last day for the panel discussion and word got around what I had done in that room. Had testimonies come up at the end, live testimonies, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, some of the more radical leading researchers were they were angry so they got pretty hostile at the uh at the on that last day maybe they needed to hear the name <laughs> of jesus oh yeah they did. <laughs> cast some but, demons know, out <laughs> yeah they did but they they tried to come up with the one you know well you know there's other names that work also you know and, and i've had that thrown at me before mm-hmm. And I said, uh, well, can you show me some testimonies? Can you show me some evidence? Because I bring the evidence. And how many do you need to see? Because you've yet to show me one. And they still haven't, you know. Man. So in your experience with all this research, have you seen anything else that has stopped these abductions from happening? I mean, is there anything that's ended it? And Druffle. Bless her heart. She was a sweet old lady. I had a chance to talk at the same conference with her there in Roswell. I forgot what year it was. Oh, seven, maybe. Um, She wrote a book. She she put put all these findings together. Stop alien abductions. And uh, she'd listed these 10 things that seem to be able, people use to stop abductions. You know, everything from leaving your fan on in your room to, you know, <laughs> tinfoil on your head to, you know, calling on a higher power was what she called it. Uh-oh. The universe. And, uh, yeah. Whatever name is up there, you know. And uh, she was an old Catholic lady to boot. And uh, the one thing that I realized there is uh, back then we were there were three of us that had grouped together, me, Guy Malone, and Pastor Chris Ward, the late Pastor Chris Ward. Uh, we had formed uh, 
alienresistance.org, uh, three ministries that come together. And uh, I, I was puzzled by her book, that title come out, Stopping Alien Abductions. I said, Chris, are we in trouble here? Because she's, you know, muddied the waters. She says, no, it's about terminology. She says, Chris says to me, he says, she's just stopped. She's, she's just talking about ways that people stop an abduction. He says, your work, you show how people terminate hmm. the experience as a life pattern. Big difference. That's a big difference. And that's the difference that we were finding. A major difference. I think Michael's uh, internet dropped there for a second. You there, Mike? You yeah, there? I'm here. Okay, yeah, you Sorry froze up that. there, bud. Yeah, everything froze up. Well, on now me, I gotta man. let me move uh, the nameplates around a little bit. Here. <laughs> a little housekeeping, <laughs> sir. So we switched. We switched. Yeah, hats. yeah. Unless you want to be the expert, I mean, uh, go ahead, Michael. <laughs> uh, I always hit the wrong. Well, I'm not an expert on this. The more that I learn, the more I know I don't know. Yeah, I get you, man. Yes. So what we were finding were people were finding ways that they thought they were able to stop it, you know, temporarily. Uh, but nobody was able to stop it permanently from a as a life pattern. Uh, I have a good friend that's uh, a Turkish researcher, and I talked to her, and she was really fascinated by my work, and, and she wanted to talk about it in the relation to the the Turkish mythology of the jinns, uh, which is their demon spirits mm -hmm. that the name of they're called. And even with them, she says that there are there are ways that they can be stopped by calling on the name of Allah. But the thing is with the jinns, um it's not very often that people want to terminate the experience with them even though she recognizes that most likely the abduction experiences are the jinns, not alien. But the thing is, most, most people in the Islam belief welcome them because there's a trade-off with the experience. They're given gifts, um, psychic gifts, psychic powers. They're able to do readings and fortunes and things like that. So that's the difference, you know, they may trade off from being terrorized by the experience for psychic gifts. So is that a good thing? No, that's not a good thing. <laughs> not either. a good trade off. No, that's not a good trade off. You're still under their, you know, their spell. So there is none that come to the same as what we have found with the name and authority and relationship with Jesus Christ. No other name. Not Buddha, not Mohammed, not Krishna, not Mickey Mouse. There's nothing. Hmm. You got anything, Michael? Well, I like that. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I might be a little biased here, but I really like that. That's good news. It sounds like good news to me. <laughs> I think it, 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 it just it's it's it, another piece of evidence of the the uh, the power of the name of Jesus and. Um, I was, I was listening to a guy street preach uh, recently and he was, he was walking around and he was telling people, he goes, you know what? 
why is it when you hurt and you stub your toe, why do you yell Jesus? You know, why do you, why, why, why aren't you yelling Muhammad or Buddha or whatever? Because <laughs> deep down inside, you know, there's power in that name somehow, somewhere, even if you don't admit it. Uh, and so I, I see it as good news. Um, I did have a question for you that came up earlier uh, in my mind when you were talking about interviewing um, people. I'm a mental health professional by trade. That's what I do to, for money. And mm -hmm. um, I, pr I provide counseling services and diagnostic uh, tests and everything. And I've never counseled somebody with, ex with these experiences. But um, are these people able to get some kind of help? Are they, are they able to, are there people that are out there that um, maybe they specialize in helping people like this who have had these abduction experiences? Like you said, maybe they're, they're suffering some, from some kind of post-traumatic stress. Uh, sadly, no. Hmm. Okay. That is sad. Kind of figured uh, the mental health community is very secularized. And so I find yes. that we, we don't look at the spiritual um, as much as I think we should. You know, the thing is, I've been helping people the whole time with this. And there's a way that it's done. It's it. It's it's in my book and it's on my website. And it 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 came to me um, years ago in, when I was early in the ministry. Um, my late wife that passed a few years ago when I was in Korea. Years ago, when she was sick. She was introduced to this uh, church up in Georgia, Pleasant Valley, Georgia. Dr. Henry W. Wright was doing a lot of healing up in this church. And the concept that the Lord had given him, and he wrote it, he, he did a book, um, Pathways to Wholeness was the book. And uh, the Lord showed him that every illness had a spiritual root. And if he could get people to the spiritual problem that they were having, they could be healed of their illness. And in this book, she had gotten the book after going up there. And when, when she came back after she'd read the book, she handed me the book and she says, I think you ought to take a look at this. There's probably something in here I think you should look at that would be beneficial to your ministry. <clears throat> and in the book was this section called that he had written called the eight R's to freedom. And you can go to my website and take a look at it. It's fascinating. And when you look at the eight R's, it takes you through a process where the first R is recognize. First thing you must do is recognize what your problem is what do you what is the problem okay if your problem is you think you've been having these experiences okay okay that's step one. First thing you got is a problem okay and then it takes you through the, the steps second one is you got to do something about it you get all the way to the last one where the last one is is you end up sharing your testimony so you help somebody else get free 
okay? And when you get to that point, that's when freedom is there. Because if you don't share your testimony, you're not free. Okay, that's how you, you mm-hmm. that's when the, that's when you've defeated the enemy. Okay, when you can turn around and share your healing so that somebody else can be free and healed. Oh, yeah, you've defeated the enemy at that point, because that's the last thing he wants you to do is share your testimony. These testimonies mm-hmm. that I share, and that's what CE4 research is about. They're the most, the word of God is the most powerful thing in the universe. It created the universe. It created the universe. Yes. But to yes. a believer, it means nothing. Hmm. Uh, to an unbeliever, it means mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. What does he need? Evidence mm-hmm. that it's real. What is the evidence that the word of God is real? A testimony of a life changed. Mm-hmm by that word of God is the evidence of that word being real. Amen. CE4 research, I've always asked when I do my talks, how many testimonies do you need to see? Because they're still coming in. If you don't have a testimony to share with somebody, when you share the gospel, you may as well have told them about Moby Dick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've always said that that that's the credit credibility factor, and especially is, if Mike. you're if you're up front with somebody. Most of the testimonies I've ever given, I didn't, I wasn't like trying to open the door and kick it down and give them the gospel. I just was doing my job or talking with them just about other stuff, and all of a sudden they mentioned God, and I'm like, okay, well maybe I can open up about my own personal testimony. And, mm-hmm. and Michael knows this very well. He has testimony Thursdays on his show. So he knows how powerful the testimony is, but it's like, I remember like when I shared my testimony, it always intrigued them to ask more, you know, it was like, yes. kind of, and it's not like I was intentionally trying to bait them, you know, and throw that, that cast a worm out there and try to catch something. It was just, I was just giving in my own life and telling them, this is what it did for me. And it did for my wife and my family. And, you know, and, and, and I felt like that was always the credibility factor, that stamp of approval that could open the door to bigger and better things where they could actually be open to hearing the gospel maybe for the first time or maybe hearing it for the second or third time. But this time actually like, you know what, this guy seems legitimate. He seems real, not this plastic, you know, Christian that I've talked to in the past or something. So yeah, that makes sense to me. You know, Mm -hmm. when I was growing up, actually grew up in a church. um, I remember missionaries coming from, all over that would come in and talk about their travels and their experiences as a missionary in some foreign country, you know, like places that I never wanted to go in my life, you know, (laughs) and I'm thinking, God, don't ever call me to go there, you know, (laughs) and I'm thinking, how does one know what their mission field is going to be? But, you know, once I became a believer and God gave me this mission, I realized what Mm -hmm. our mission field is. Our mission field is our testimony. What is your testimony? What do you what what did you come from? I have a number of mission fields that I could be witnessing in, not just this UFO field. I come out of 25 years of drug and alcohol. I could just as easily be on your show right now witnessing about being involved with drugs and alcohol mm. and, and being able to help those people. I would be just as comfortable. Okay. 
people, listen, if you're a believer, you've come to Jesus Christ, wherever you came out of, that is your mission field. Who better can yes. reach the people that you came from than you? Nobody else. God's not going to send you to an area that you are not familiar with. You are most familiar with where you came from. And those are the people you are best going to be able to help, which is exactly why I'm in this field that I'm in right now, mm -hmm. because I am an experiencer. I came from this field and what best better field to be able to witness to. Yeah. Amen, amen. to that. Yes. So, you know, this, this kind of lines up with, um, I mean, kind of, it does, it lines up with deliverance ministry and I'm sure mm -hmm. you've, you know, you're well aware of de deliverance. I actually have a guest on, she comes on, we're going to try to have her on once a month and she's a deliverance uh, minister here in the Detroit area. And everything you've talked about and everything I've read in your books and saw in your videos, it, it lines up exactly with what she deals with and how doors are open to let these entities in, whether they're portraying, you know, old uncle, great uncle Jim that, you know, <laughs> lived in the farmhouse and now they live there and they're talking to him or, or, you know, it's some sexual uh, thing that let it in. And it's, to me, it's so blatant what is going on here as as a Christian. But I know this, Joe, and I'm sure you know this as well. And gosh, I'm not going to throw out a percentage, but in most Christian churches, this topic would never be discussed. Never. No pastor is going to bring this up. Very few churches would talk about this subject. And what, in your experience going to around the churches and maybe uh, doing some conferences and things like, things like that, what is the percentage of people that come up to you and say, you know, I've never taught to anybody about this, but I've had this experience from, from the Christian community, not, not the uh, secular. Is it a high number or is it, you know, mid range? It's a high number. Wow. Really? And I've, I've thought about this on how do you reach that community, that church community? And I, I know how to do it. I just need, some help doing it. Um, I know how to get in there. The Lord showed me how to do it. Um, I just got to get the right people to work with me to make it work. Um, you go into a church and, you know, of course they're not talking about it. The pastor's not talking about it. It's a subject just kind of hush hush, but who's the person you need to reach in that church? I'll tell you who it is. This is who the Lord showed me. There's a person sitting on the pew that is probably single now, divorced or widowed, most likely widowed, elderly, decently financially well off, and very concerned, and probably has a extremely amount of pull in that church. And that's those grandmas that have outlived their husbands. Hmm. That's a great point. That, that makes so much sense. And they are absolutely re relying on everybody else to tell them the truth. And they are the ones that are truly on fire for the Lord. Hmm. If you can get the message in a simple form of what this does to people and let them know after that 
that their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, their nieces and nephews are all already involved in it, and nobody's been telling her, you'll see a movement. Wow. That's powerful. That, that makes so much sense. And you said you felt like the Lord gave you that mm. insight. Yeah, that makes, wow, that's... I wouldn't have thought that route. <laughs> That's because she's not brilliant. alone in that church. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of other ones just like her. Wow. And she'll say, we need to do something about this. That's interesting. Because I've seen the churches where I've gone into the kids are wearing the star Wars shirts in church, you know, all the, you know, the Avengers shirts, this is all, extraterrestrial stuff you know Mm -hmm. it's all based on that same message and nobody says a word those are all open doors interesting um you know it's kind of a segue here i was reading about the collins elite and Mm. i know there's probably not many people that know them i i had read about them a long time ago and kind of put it on the back shelf and forgot and I was watching one of your videos and you had brought it up. And it's such an interesting, I don't know if Michael's aware of who the, the Collins elite is, but um, they were an, they were a governmental agent. I don't, I wouldn't say an agency, but they were, they were working within the government and they were doing research into this phenomenon. And, and a, there was some Christians involved in it. And a couple guys became whistleblowers and went to talk to a preacher in Nebraska. His name was Ray Boucher. And they go also out. a he was also a MUFON state director. Yes, and and also um, a priest and an didn't he do exorcisms too? I believe I think uh, Ray was involved in exorcisms or something. Not not a, a Catholic priest. He was an Anglican priest. Yes. Um, and so he ends up. They end up going to see him to to discuss some spiritual matters about what they had witnessed while they were in the program, and apparently i mean and i this is where it gets a little iffy i know nick redfern wrote a book um actually i think i got a let me see here. final events yes i've got it right here this is uh nick and i'm sure a lot of people know who nick is he's been on uh, history channel and some mm-hmm. of these discovery channel things he wrote that book final events and th- these guys were kind of saying that there was some sacrificial lambs so to speak there was some human beings that might have been sacrifice so that they could open up to these they call them uh, human non-human entities i think they called them right is, is that correct joe yeah um and and they were allowing these entities to come in but they started realizing they were asking for things right like they always do they it's nothing's free with these sure. these guys and so i found that that their their research these christians were so bothered by what they were seeing because they knew it was demonic they knew it wasn't you know extraterrestrial it was interdimensional and so I thought, wow, that's that's so fascinating that that lines up, obviously it lines up with Joe's research and what he had seen. Have you guys ever collaborated? I mean, I don't know if you even know who the two fellows were that, that came out to raise, you know, farm or, or church or whatever it was. But has there any, ever been like contact or cross research or anything like that between the two groups? Or are they just no. so mysterious <laughs> and hidden we don't know who they are? No, nobody knows who the Collins elite are. Um, and they didn't meet at his church. They met separately, private okay. with, with Ray. Um, I know Ray, I talked to him still. Hmm. Um, you, you should talk to him, see about having him. Oh, on. that'd be great. I'd love to have Ray. Yeah. On, yeah. Um, 
keep in mind that, you know, even Louis Elizondo talks about a little bit about this with in some of his talks that he's done where even his higher up made a comment about that this was demonic. And just so the audience knows, Louis El Elizondo, um, he's uh, he was the uh, former U.S. Uh, Army counterintelligence special agent and director of global intelligence to the stars. And then he was also, what was the other group? ITT? Uh, ATIP. 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 And he's, isn't he kind of like, he's kind of like the guy that kind of leaked out disclosure. I mean, he's kind of the soft disclosure guy. He brought it, I think he went on Tucker and, you know, he's been on mm -hmm. some other shows and things like that. And he's kind of their spearhead um, of, of kind of slowly dripping out this information to the general public, correct? Sure. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just want the audience to know, just in case they didn't know who, who he was. Yeah. So, we, you know, here it is, what, 40 years later. Um, we hear the same thing come out again, you know, from a government's source. Mm -hmm. So it's still being talked about, you know, still being people recognizing it being demonic from the government side. So where, this is a good time, I think, to go to the, to the question I had earlier, but where do these, uh, um, these people that are now, I think they call it CE5, where they're trying to bring in call in the entities uh what are your opinion on 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 you know what's your opinion on on those guys and what you know you you kind of touched on it earlier about you know taking your eyes off of god it sounds like but um are these people majorly deceived do they know what they're doing uh i don't know if you know them or if you've talked to any of these types of folks oh i have um Jeez, that's a special kind of people there. Um, <laughs> it's really, it's really nothing more than repackaged spiritism, you know, mm -hmm. that's been around forever. Um, I've, I've made some, <laughs> I've made some crazy memes on Facebook about it, <laughs> you know, advertising for CE5 and. You don't need to pay the five thousand dollars; just get you a nineteen ninety five Ouija board and do the same thing. <laughs> I was gonna say the, I was gonna say a Ouija board. I was gonna say the same thing. Uh, you know, right? Uh, this whole thing about freeing the mind and opening your mind up to these these characters, you know. And I asked him. I said, you know, I don't understand that this concept. I said, you know, if I was to come to your door, you don't even know me. And I'd say, you know, I knock on your door. I say, hey, let me in. And you're going, I don't know who you are. Show me some ID. But yet you don't ask these guys and to come into your mind. You don't ask them for any ID. You know, you're enticed by because somebody told you there's some kind of higher being. You take that for what? You know, for, for, for what proof is that? You know, just because somebody told you, you know, but yet you won't let me into your living room because you don't know me. I said, hmm. what logic is there? Zero. You know, and, and what about your kids? You're letting them into your home? Mm. Where's the protection on your kids? They don't think about this right. stuff. Mm -mm. You know, I had the same conversation. <laughs> oh, geez. I had the same conversation with the, these same people about chemtrails. You know, they want to go there. They, they talk about, oh, man, the chemtrails were mm -hmm. so bad over my house today. And I'm going, well, how bad were they? 
And, you know, I said they were they were just blanketing the sky. You know, this stuff is going to kill us. And then I wait a minute and I, I ask him a question. I go, ma'am, how many kids do you have? And I go, well, I got three, three boys. Why do you put them in harm's way? Why are you living there where they're going to be killed by this stuff? Click, you know, they're gone. They can't answer <laughs> that question, you know. Logic and reasoning went out with, I think, 1999. I, I swear. When the millennium turned, it was like, I think it just all went That'll to hell. Changed. <laughs> exactly. Ridiculous. And, and, and again, this is why I promote MUFON. Because MUFON forces you to think logically, reasonably, mm -hmm. and use the scientific method the right way. You know, you don't jump to conclusions. That's the last thing you look at is the crazy stuff. When you've ruled every single thing out first, then you look at the other stuff. And just let me clear that up with people listening. When people come to me and say, you know, I've had these memories of these aliens coming to me and taking me out of my room. That's not where I start with them. <laughs> I go through a whole lot of background with them first. I want to know what medications are taken. I want to know what illnesses mm. they're dealing with. I want to know what background diagnosis they've had over the years. I want to know what kind of accidents they've been Absolutely. into. I want to know what kind of, you know, relationships they're having in the home. I want to rule all those possibilities out that can lead to those kind of dreams yep. before I get to anything that's going to be out of the norm i was going to ask you that very question how how the vetting process goes because i mean how do we know it's just not some guy hopped up on you know uh, lsd from you know <laughs> his days at at uh, uh woodstock or something you know how do we exactly. know exactly yeah <laughs> exactly and you know another thing about abductions that people probably don't understand is too is they're always a memory hmm Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, can you elaborate on that? I had this, I've had these dreams. That's how they come to me. You know, I've had these, I've been having these memories. It's always past tense. So here, here's what happened. How I got on the understanding of how this is not a physical experience. And this really upset a lot of my own Christian peers, researchers. Uh, <laughs> lost a lot of friends over the years. <laughs> the um, truth will do that. <laughs> yeah. That and illogical thinking. Um, everybody thought that this experience, even Christians, that this experience was a true physical experience. I don't care whether they thought it was done by aliens if you're secular or demons if you're christian well i kept getting this feeling this is there's something wrong here and then i started working with gary bates on his book back around 2004 um, alien intrusion and actually Oh, you there, Joe? Me? Yep, you lost you for a second. You're there. You're back. Hello, yep. hello. Yep, I can hear you. You had mentioned something about alien intrusion. Hello, hello. We we can hear you. Obviously, you can't hear us. Uh, All right. Can, can you hear us? 
I okay. Hear you. Yep, you're good. You're good. Okay. There you are. Yep. Yeah. You said something about alien intrusion, then we lost you. Okay. Yeah, Gary Bates with Alien Intrusion. And uh, I was helping him on his book. And uh, I ended up in one of his chapters, I think, th chapter 13, my story in there. But in his, as we went on working with the book and then even into his revision, he started seeing this similarity between stage hypnosis and some of the testimonies not looking at what the hypnotherapists were doing under regression with mm -hmm. these abductees but looking at what stage stage hypnotists were doing compared to the story that the testimonies were saying and we started looking at this really close and he picked a guy that was pretty well known in England called Darren Brown. And we started watching a lot of his shows and he uses not really hypnosis, but more the power of suggestion, mm. which is fascinating when you get mm. into the study of it, of what it, <laughs> what can be done to it. Magicians do it all the time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's so amazing. So what I started doing was going back and re-interviewing a lot of the experiences that I'd already worked with. And I said, I want to go back and ask you a different set of questions. And when I did this, I got a whole different outcome and understanding of this experience. This is kind of a synopsis of what I was looking at here. Gino, if I was to ask you about your last birthday, you would remember pretty much everything that happened. Well, to be honest, now, Joseph, I try to forget them. <laughs> <laughs> but you remember. Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now, the things you remember are the most sensational things up front. Yes. And then it goes downhill from there in your memories. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, if I sit you down, not using hypnosis, but using the way I've learned to do with the investigative process, not just with this, but with my safety profession, too, on getting to the root cause of a situation. Um, I can sit you down and guide you through a process of asking the right questions and get you to recall things that you probably pushed aside because you thought they weren't important, but they're there because you recorded them. You just didn't put them in the forefront of your mind because they weren't the sensational things that you wanted to remember most. They're kind of stored in the attic, so to speak. Yeah, stored mm -hmm. in the attic. They're still there. They didn't go away, but they, they recorded everything. Now, when I went back and did this with the experiencers of their experience, there were large gaps of things missing. Now, the leading researchers, hypnotists, hypnotherapists that regress these people will tell you that these large gaps are were put there by the entities to not let you discover what's going on. They're like screen memories, mm -hmm. blocks that they put in. I say bowl. <laughs> they're not there because you can't get them because they're not there at all. There wasn't anything there. What I found out is that what these people were given was a visionary experience. 
in their mind, okay? And it was like you going to a play. And if you went to that play and you looked up on the stage and it was a living room setting, the only things there for that living room setting was a couch, an end table, um, a lazy boy chair, maybe a thing that looks like a, a fireplace, you know, just enough for you to go, oh, this is a living room setting. That's all it takes, just enough sensational pieces for you to realize what you're looking at. Makes not sense. Everyth not everything you have in your living room. Not all the details, just the sensational things, okay? This is how the experience is put together. They're only given enough sensational data in their mind to remember the experience, hmm. not all the details. Here's your best example. You seen the matrix? Yep. All right, let's take you to the matrix. Neo is taken aboard that submarine. Mm -hmm. They lay him down on that couch, recliner, bed, whatever it is. They're going to plug him in for the first time. They take him and they plug him into the back of his head. Instantly, where is he? In that white in that space. white room. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What starts showing up in the white room? Furniture. Hmm. For, yeah. That's oh man. Mm -hmm. And then, and then Morpheus shows up. Mm -hmm. Stop right there. Where's Neo? He's stuck in his mind, right? He's just, he's not really, he, he thinks Neo? he's, he thinks he's in the room, but he's not really. Where's he's Neo? sitting in that chair. Thank he's you. in that recliner. But is, Thank he, you. is he really sitting in the chair? Not, I, I don't remember the movie that well. It's been so long. He's well, he's in the, he's in the recliner with the thing in his head. The oh, okay. Yeah, oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So physically he's there. Yeah. I thought you meant where he thought he was. I gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. No. Gotcha. That's your that's your abduction yep. experience. Gotcha, man! Wow, that makes mm -hmm. sense. That's really good. But so without the that makes a lot of sense. So let me ask you something, yeah. Joe. Now I know a lot of your um, you know fellow researchers that are Christian might come to different conclusions, and I'm not going to mention names. Uh, yeah, some very popular do. ones. Uh, suppose you know supposedly they found uh, implants and some bodies, and there's some doctors that have. Okay, that's what I I I want to kind of go down that road because that's where I think a lot of people might get confused. Um, and it's not to, and again, guys in the chat, this isn't to pit one research against another. We're all trying to figure out the truth. And this is, this is Joe's research, what, 27 years now of, of doing this. And this is what he's discovered over and over and over again. There's a pattern. And just like he said, if an experiment has to be repeatable and you're seeing a repeatable pattern over and over again, but there are some cases where there's something in somebody's body or or you know something's moving around in them and they need it removed and they find these weird things so what what is your what, what is that joe i mean is it just yeah. something they I, that that's the part i've never been able to understand i guess so maybe you can connect right. the dots let me work on this one um long time ago i was working in a boat company and ended up getting a piece of fiberglass sliver in my finger that went in this side and was pushing on the skin on the other side. And I showed my boss and I said, you got tweezers? I need to pull that out. He goes, uh-uh, you ain't pulling that out. He goes, fiberglass is barbed, it'll break off. 
and you'll be stuck in your finger. Either way. Ah, froze up. Can you hear the workman? It, you got it froze there for a second. You said something about the barbs, and then it it froze on us. Yeah, he said it. If you break that off, it's gonna. If you pull that, it's gonna break off, and you're gonna have to have it cut out. He says you need to just go to the doctor now. So they sent me to the workman's comp doctor. I get down there. He looks at that and he goes, "Oh, I can't fix that." He says, "I'm gonna schedule you for surgery now at the hospital. They'll have to remove that straight out." I'm going, you're kidding me, right? He goes, nope. So they set up surgery for that afternoon. I had to go in. They put me under, took this thing out. I come out of surgery, bandaged up. Doctor was there that did surgery afterwards. I woke up. He says, I'll see you in two weeks. I said, all right. I come back two weeks later, come into his office. And uh, first time I was in his office, I come in there and I sit down and uh was waiting on him to come in and uh, look up on the wall and he's got this big three foot high by four foot wide board on his wall and it's full of junk pretty much garbage all stuck on this board <laughs> with little dates on it and uh initials of people's names or something and i'm looking at this and going why would anybody have this board of garbage on their wall especially in an office sadistic yeah that's what i thought like... so when he come in there and you know he says how you doing i says good he says uh ready to take that bandage off and i said yeah i need to get back to work so he takes it off and, and i said can i ask you a question he goes yeah i said what is all that stuff on that board he says things that i've removed out of people i said are wow. you kidding me I said, some of that stuff's pretty nasty. He says, yeah. I said, let me ask you another question. Did they all know where it came from? He says, that's a good question. Hmm. He says, nobody's asked me that. And he said, I, I had to think about that a second. He said, I would have to tell you that probably 80% of that stuff on that board, it must have been hundreds of pieces of junk. The people never knew where it came from. Okay, I'm going to play. They don't I'm, know how it got in them. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Um, so in one particular film that I saw, and I'm sure you know which one it is, um, mm -hmm. they pulled this thing out of a guy's leg, and they run a bunch of tests on it, and it seems to be transmitting some signal or, or something. And it has some kind of intelligence moving it around. In fact, they couldn't find it for a while. They called it, it was being cloaked, supposedly. Um, and then they, they prayed and the thing showed up on like the, on the, um, x-ray machine, they removed it and then they couldn't figure, they, they figured out some kind of metals and other materials that were in it. But a couple of the things, if I remember correctly, were not supposedly of the earth. They were from, you know, a meteor or something. What, what's the story behind that? Nobody has an answer to that story. I mean, my contention has always been it's earthbound. Like I don't, I, I'm the, I'm on the same page as you, but I, I, I've always wanted to get the answer to it because I know there's an explanation out there. there I is. know there is, and it's, and there it's, is. and it's gonna be earthly. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be some meteor that you know falls. Well, it under could be. It could be a small enough piece that you could have been hit with, and nobody, and you don't remember it. Okay. That's the thing. As kids, we pick up stuff that we don't remember. 
See, this is a trick that Whitley Strieber uses. Mm. First time I saw him in an opportunity at a conference to do his talk. Was that communion with Whitley? Yeah. yeah okay. He, he starts out his talk, you know, with getting the people power of suggestion again. He asked them, you know, he says, how many in here, 500 people in the audience, and he asked them, he says, how many people in here have looked at themselves and have realized they have a scar, a scoop mark, a scrape or something that they can't remember how they got it? 80% of that auditorium raises its hand. But I just showed you, I just told you that that doctor said the same thing. And none of those people claim to be abductees. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. So this whole thing, this guy being an, says he was an abductee, that's not out of the norm that he had something that he didn't know what it was. Okay. Here's the thing that we're dealing with too. If we're dealing with these spiritual entities, what is a biblical term that, like the old biblical term for these, these entities? Familiar spirits, was it not? Mm -hmm. What does mm -hmm. that mean? Well, they, they've been in uh, generations in your family. That's how they know the manner, mannerisms. They know the characteristics of, of your family. Um, I've know. seen this, I've seen this firsthand with, with generational curses passed down where, you know, it's maybe it's heart problems or mental illness or different things that are, I know it's not a, a it affects the physical part of the body, but it's actually a mental uh, stronghold that the physical that the demon is attaching itself to to cause these issues. So yeah, that makes that makes a hundred percent. They also know everything about you. Mm -hmm. So right. if you were a little kid riding your bike and you fell down and got a scrape and got a little piece of chunk or something in you as you had that little accident on your bicycle. You don't remember it because you were just young and energetic and got up and took off. But that thing got embedded under your skin and grew over over 50 years later. Who remembers that? Mm -hmm. They the familiar do. Familiar spirit. Mm -hmm. And they can use that to edify their process of conditioning you to that experience. They can use anything they want to make that more believable. Wow, Joe, you just a bell just went off when you said that because if those things do move within the body, who's to say it's not the entity moving it because they're undetected? Wow, that is I that's brilliant. <laughs> wow. So See, now there was a oh, go, go ahead. ahead. You do it. Well, there was a there was a question earlier um that I wanted to ask are 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 there positive experiences people have with these things, with the, these these experiences that they have? Are there positive ones, or are they almost exclusively negative oh, no. experiences? There's lots of positive ones, but there's okay. a reason for the positive ones. They're trying to make those people their 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 apostles. Hmm. Okay, they're, ally with them. Okay. Yeah. They're the mm -hmm. ones to spread their messages of the their new alien gospel. Mm. Those are the ones okay. that are hardest to bring back. This is uh, this is what they do. They work as this is we use the term good cop bad cop. 
but they're both cops. Mm -hmm. This is what you have to understand. They're better at the deception than the little nasty guys. And a lot of times these people that are having the good experiences, they didn't start out good. They changed. So Interesting. let me, uh, I know this is a question that everybody's probably thinking right now. Okay, so our, our little friends, the, the Greys, um, and Michael's favorite, go ahead, Mike, you can say it. The, the, what do they wear? They wear the, skin suits. Meat suits, skin suits. Skins. Yeah. The, 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 the Grey, the I have a theory that if there is a physical Grey alien, that is something that they've influenced people to create for them that they can inhabit that's not going to fight back that's not going to cry out to jesus because it's just a skin suit but this is just my this is just my uh speculation i've had this but i've had the same speculation over years i just thought maybe at some point these intelligent entities uh are collaborating with maybe scientists you know or whatever who knows um like the like the collins elite we're talking about some maybe there's some kind of group within the government experimenting and they create these humanoid beings and because it seems like all these abductions have a a lot of sexual stuff going on um and you just wonder like okay well demons need a body they need a host to inhabit and if that's and we know biblically that's true that they 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 can't get in a believer they can get in our flesh and in our, our brain but they can't get within the temple but an unbeliever they can inhabit and so you just wonder if is there have you seen any evidence of these little grays whatever you want to call them um that there is a there is a physical presence with the grays and they're just some kind of hybrids that the government's involved with or is this just all nonsense no, no evidence no okay the, my my concept of the gray of the hybridization <laughs> you're going to get me in trouble um <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I, I know what you're thinking because <laughs> I can't imagine the community you're involved with. Yeah. It's it, it's a very um, there's a lot of opinionated persons and there's a narrative that's been created for for decades. And, and to go up against that narrative is to bring fire to your home. <laughs> so I get yeah. it. I understand what you're what you're up against. I don't mind. I work for a living. <laughs> <laughs> um Here's what happened. I'm not talking about the secular side now. Mm -hmm. 1997. A Christian leader came out with a book where he started in with this whole idea of as in the days of Noah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to do this without naming anybody. But this is where this whole concept started. And he used that term because he stated that this whole abduction thing and this hybridization thing sounds like the whole idea from Genesis 6, 4, mm-hmm. which was during the time of Noah. So he put two and two or three and five or whatever it was together and said, so we must be seeing the same thing. Well, where did he get this whole hybridization thing from? 
This comes from a secular researcher named David Jacobs. I will say his name. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows David Jacobs. Yeah. No Anybody problem else? saying his yeah. name. And all of his research with the hybridization comes from people's testimonies under under hypnotic regression, mm. <clears throat> which is we know is fallible, mm-hmm. not acceptable in a court of law. And as a Christian, probably open to spiritual persuasion. Mm-hmm. But yet this Christian researcher and author decided to back up his idea on Dr. David Jacobs' work. Mm. Interestingly. So his whole concept of Genesis 6-4 with these, the idea that sons of God came down and mated with these women, created an offspring called the Nephilim, were physical beings and they're going to, they're doing it again. This hybrid race was based off of flawed secular research. Hmm. I, I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah. Probably the, he was the forefront of Christians really getting involved in this. Um, yes. he, was, he was the spearhead of it for sure. Yes. Yeah. But my research shows that this is not physical. This is a spiritual experience. Okay. They're not creating physical hybrid beings. And mine even takes it a little farther. I, I, I really believe we're dealing with something a whole lot bigger than all of this. And I really believe we're dealing with second Thessalonians. Hmm. The delusion. Mm. Wow. Okay. And if that's what we're dealing with, then this is bigger than we all want to be part of. Because what did I tell you? That anybody that gets that that gets involved with this, it takes their mind off the mm-hmm. one true God. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the strong delusion in itself. It says it would deceive the very elect if even possible. Well, it does. It takes your eyes away from the one true God. Mm-hmm. I was, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how, if 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 all of this is spiritual and not, there's no non physical, there's no physical component to it. How they would be wise as a familiar spirit to know, um, what to use against particular people because not everybody i would assume not everybody may be reached um in this fashion in this abduction experience fashion and perhaps there are other ways that they reach other people who are more susceptible to other things um i think about the generations going back hundreds of years and thinking about how perhaps they manifested in different ways to different people uh, based on what was going on at the time what people believed at the time so on and so forth well, they did. You know, we, we know that through history, the, you know, the elves and fairies and all the other different mythological things that happened. But mm-hmm. this one is the, the one for now. This is the one that's that's leading. 
this is the one that will lead everybody into a new world unified religion. This is the one that comes that everybody will come together under one belief system. It's this one that makes will sense. Do that. Makes and sense. It's not yes. just that it's going to be the abduction experience. It's this whole UFO phenomenon, because this whole UFO phenomenon is tied in with the you know abductions, the sightings is tied in with the new age, the metaphysical realm, the secular science realm. It's tied in with all of the other world isms because they're all looking to unify together and they're all looking for that savior to come. Mm -hmm. Okay. Except the one that's Jesus Christ. This is the one that's going to bring it Makes all sense. together. This is why I believe that what we're seeing here is that strong delusion. You know, mm -hmm. this is the one that's going to separate. This is the one that this, if, if you don't get the people protected from this one, if we don't save the people that are being deceived by this, they're gone for good. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, yeah, and right if now, faith, if your faith isn't is, strong and you see this stuff, yeah. I would assume that it would, it would easily turn people to this. Oh, well, now, you know, we're we're part of this major galactic community, the Federation, the, all, the, all the other stuff that goes with the, uh, a lot of the New Age stuff. Well, you know, not, not only that, you have the Vatican a few years ago talking about how they're preparing for uh, full disclosure and what that means to the gospel and yes. how that changes the way of the, I mean, you have a one point whatever billion Catholics on the earth. <laughs> and if they if they're, you know, if, if their crown prince is telling them, hey, uh, you know, we're expecting this. And when it comes, we might have to change our thinking. I mean, come on. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's a setup mm -hmm. right there. You know, I, I got to tell you, I've been working with a, with another friend of mine recently. Um, I hope to include him in my, my second book that I'm working on right now. Um, he come up with a, a, a major piece that I think both of us hit on it at the same time. And I don't think he, he even realized the potential that was there for him to hit on this. Um, you know, 20, 25 years ago, I saw some problems, you know, some red flags that come up. I call them the red flags of ufology whenever I see them. And eventually you get so many of these red flags of ufology, you just, you just know there's a real problem here, you know? And that's kind of how I work with people. You, you know, you ask, how do I witness to them? How do I, how do I bring them to the truth? You show them, you plant those seeds of doubt. When you plant enough seeds of doubt, and they start to grow, that person will change on their own. You know, the Holy Spirit will, will grow those seeds of doubt in them. And you don't have to beat them over the head with the Bible of truth. You know, just plant the doubt and, and it'll grow. And they will start to, they will just start to break down and the Holy Spirit will work on them to where they can, they can open up and go, because it's the hardest thing for a human being to admit that they've been deceived. It's the most uncomfortable mm -hmm. feeling for any human to admit they've been lied to, deceived, or, you know, or cheated or whatever. It's a hard thing for a person to admit. So yes. you've got to get past that. And it's best if they do it, if, if you let them do it, not you tell them. Okay. And that's kind of the way I work is it just lay those out there so that they realize it, not you just tell them. Um, 
what's what I saw 25 years ago was the beginning of these red flags. And one of the first ones that I saw was this whole phenomenon is racist <laughs> in every aspect. Truly, it is. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat for this one. <laughs> Racism, obviously, being the buzzword for the last eight, <laughs> Absolutely. <10 years. laughs> I mean, and then they want to throw it back at you. Well, wait a minute. You know, the, the first abducted famous couple was, you know, a mixed couple. That's right. You know, back in the 60s. Excuse me. That was one. What was that? Uh, what, the, what was their names? It starts Betty with Betty and Barney Be Hill. Betty, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one. Now give me ten more. <laughs> hmm. This is a white people's phenomenon. <laughs> There's that white privilege again. <laughs> you know, amazing. Man. That I I was puzzled by that. Why is it a white people's phenomenon? <laughs> That's interesting. You know? That is so interesting. Oh, it is. Wow. Why is it? So I, I tried to find out. I thought, you know, quizzed minds want to know. So I started asking people, black people, I said, you know, what do you think about this UFO phenomenon, especially abductions? You mean where they take people and they do bad things to them? I don't want no part of that. You know, and they, these people, they tell you how, you know, their ancestors were oppressed. You know, their grandparents were oppressed. And even now they're still dealing with some kind of oppression. They darn sure don't want to welcome any more, especially from outside strange race from other planets. Why would they? They don't want to open up to that. That's what I was getting from them. So they, they don't maintain they maintain that barrier. Yeah, mm -hmm. they don't want no yeah. part of that. And I thought, wow, they don't want any part of that. Is that mm -hmm. what's keeping that separate? And I didn't understand what that meant. Well, here it is, twenty some years later. What are we seeing? It's changing. Got a new movie coming out. You seen the advertisements? Mm -mm. Nope. You have to check nope. it out. Hmm. So, in your research, and I know it's what over six, seven hundred people that you've investigated. Ah, uh, yeah. How many were actually black folks? <laughs> That's amazing. That's I came incredible. Across I came across one accidentally on Facebook where a gal was uh, chatting on a face page and she said, if it wasn't for Joe Jordan's work, and I thought, who is this? And I went on there and commended her for supporting me, saying, you know, mentioning me. And then I, you know, I started talking to her off to the side and come to find out this was this gal in Texas and she was actually published. She'd written a she was Christian. She actually written a fiction book. You should talk to her. She's a fascinating story. She'd written a fiction book to get people's attention. Um, and it's on Amazon. And uh, she's got a fascinating story. And she's black. And uh, 
black husband, black kids, lives in Texas, and uh, she's an experiencer. Hmm. And uh, fascinating story, but this is recent and not 25 years ago. So times are changing. It's getting ready to get introduced in the social realm on, you know, through Hollywood, uh, more into the black community. Um, I'm seeing it picked up more and more new age into the black community, more of the metaphysical realm being introduced into the black community, more into Hollywood. So I think you're going to start seeing a lot of change uh, where it's going to start probably transitioning over a lot more. That's just a little bit of forecast there. I would have never known aliens were so racist until now. <laughs> in this bizarro upside down world we live in, it makes sense. It well, actually makes sense. Let me give you another one that you probably aren't aware of. Before I went to Korea uh, 11 years ago, um, I listened to all the top researchers in the world when they gave their talks going, you know, this UFO abduction phenomenon is a worldwide event. Okay. Got it. And they'd always talk about cases in other countries, right? Well, I went to the other parts of the world. And I was expecting to be as busy there as it is here. Guess what? It's not. I was puzzled by that. So I started talking to my Korean friends. I go, so what do you think about this UFO phenomenon? And I got in a really abrupt, oh, I don't have time for that. What? I didn't know what that meant. So I'd ask somebody else, you know, what do you think about this UFO stuff? Oh, I don't have time for that. Well, that's odd. So finally, one of my coworkers is Korean, another safety guy I worked with. I said, can I ask you a question? He says, yeah. I said, you know, I do this UFO stuff on the side, right? He says, yeah. I said, uh, I keep asking people, Korean people about it. And he goes, I always get this same strange answer. He says, uh, what's that answer? He says, they, they tell me they don't have time for it. He says, uh, that's true. Uh, what does that mean? He says, well, let me tell you. I, he says, we're not uneducated about it. And uh, another friend actually went to the local library there and came back with a stack of books about eight high of books that they use in school high school, junior high, science books, where it had many articles about American UFO research. So they are well-versed on the UFO phenomenon, but they don't, they don't see things like we do. And that's where that we don't have time for it comes in. He said that, you know, we had a war here 70 years ago. I said, yeah, no, that's why I'm here. He said, uh, well, since that war, we were totally devastated country. And since that war, we've been picking up ourselves and trying to get ourselves back to greatness. I said, yeah. He said, so you've got people that are still alive from the war. They're in their 80s, 
they're probably still the farmers or made it to great business owners. So they're busy all the time, either surviving as farmers or running great businesses. Okay. Then you've got the ones that are the middle-aged that are working all the time to support their kids to go to college to be great. And they're working all the time to pay for that. <clears throat> I said, okay. And he says, then you got the younger generation that are going to school full time because their parents are paying for it. And the Korean kids go to school 10 to 12, 14 hours a day, not like American kids. And they're going on to be the greatest of the great. They are a, na a nationalized country. They are, they are on the road to greatness. I don't know if you guys realize that, but they are focused, not like this country. They are focused to be the best, not just the best Koreans, but the best in the world. Hmm. They are on their way. And that's why they don't have time for it. Okay. Now, does that mean they don't have time to look up? Not at all. That's not what that means. The greatest pastime in Korea is spending time with your family. It's another thing that's strange about the U.S. We don't do much of that. But they spend time with their family outside. Mm -hmm. The great pastimes in Korea is bicycling and hiking mm -hmm. outside. Mm -hmm. They are looking up. They're not seeing anything. They're not having abductions. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to report. It's not that they're not reporting. They're not, there's nothing to report. If the ones that are doing the reporting are the ones that are watching too much American TV. I was just going to ask you that. How, is there an influence? It doesn't seem like there's an influence of Hollywood there. There if is. There, there is? Okay. There is. There is. There's starting to be a few that do watch too much and then, you know, starting to make reports. Okay. Now, my job took me to Japan for 20 trips over the years. And I made friends in Japan. Now, Japan, to me, appeared to be like 30 years advanced over Korea. They had made their heyday. They were maintaining, but starting to relax. So they had a little more time on their hands. Okay. By having a little more time on their hands, they could do other things. Okay. They started spending more time doing what? looking at the internet mm -hmm. not just with family guess what japan has more sightings and starting to have abductions too so what do we got here as a logical looking researcher you got country like korea they're not seeing anything they're not looking for it but they're out there seeing the skies but they're not looking for it they're not dabbling in it mm -hmm. they don't have reports like anybody else one or two here and there from somebody that's got an interest in it mm -hmm. japan they got an interest in it a little bit they're starting to have some reports here and there they got ufo clubs here and there somewhat then you got the u.s 
which nobody wants to work. <laughs> the kids don't want to go to school. <laughs> Everybody's got time on their hands mm -hmm. to dabble in whatever. And we got the most numbers than anybody in the world, along with Europe and every other modern westernized Christianized country. So the whole UFO phenomenon comes down to time on your hands. Um, our good friend in the uh, chat, Platt Patriot, she said, uh, is there a MUFON organization in other parts of the world or just here? She said, I know uh, South America seems to be a hot spot for UFO sightings. Yeah, we've got them all over. If you go to the MUFON.com uh, website and you look up, uh, there's a section on there, find a chapter, you'll see all the breakdown of all the different countries that are covered. So it's not a matter of us not being present. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of, are they seeing anything? I'm, the national, I'm still the national director of, North, of South Korea. Um, I've got a Korean national that's in training right now that I'm probably going to turn the reins over to now that I'm back in the U.S. But in return, uh, I'm probably going to pick up the Philippines as national director myself, uh, along with being state section director here in Brevard County, Florida. Um, I have a home in the Philippines also. Uh, my wife is Filipina. Uh, I, I think everybody in the chat's too scared to call in, but they love what you're saying. Um, also, guys, uh, I saw a few of you said you had some, you know, maybe when you were younger, you had some sightings or you had some, some things that are similar. If you want to call in and, and uh, throw it at Joe, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Joe, another thing. So one of the most famous cases ever in ufology has to be the Travis Walton case. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever had a chance to speak with Travis Walton one-on-one? -on -one? I have. You have. I have. And how did that go? Um, I've heard his story many times. I've been in the same places as him quite a few times in Roswell. He goes to the UFO festival there. I had an opportunity to ask him a question that I was curious about. Um, personally, on his case in uh, 2018 up in the Philly conference, a MUFON symposium. Um, it was after listening to Louis Elizondo talk about the uh, fascinating physics-defying capabilities of these crafts or whatever these things that the Navy's been videoing and chasing around out in off of San Diego. And as I listened to him describe what they were what they were seeing and what they were recording. It brought something back to mind about some other cases that I had been familiar with. And that was kind of a test I wanted to throw at Travis about his case, because I really studied that case a lot. And, you know, Travis isn't, he still isn't sure about what's happened there, you know. Mm. But there was one how, question. How old, by, I'm sorry, how old is he now? I mean, he's got to be in his late 60s. Uh, somewhere around there if I yeah I don't think he's as old as me I think he's a little younger than me I'm 68 okay, okay. Um, so this one question that came up that I had to ask him and I sat through his talk again in at that conference and I got up at the end and asked him 
I said, I said, Travis, I got a question for you. I said, but I need to take you back during the experience to a specific time. And I said, it, it's, you guys are in the truck and you see the light through the trees as you're going through the woods and you get to the point to where you just before you come to the stop. Okay. I said, you're there. He goes, yeah. He's standing on the stage. I'm standing down below. And I said, you're, you're approaching to the point to where you come to the stop. And I said, you get to the place where you stop truck slams on the brakes. You jump out as you head over to away from the truck, stop right there in your mind. Picture yourself at that second. Do you hear anything at all? And he says, no. No wind, no cicadas, nothing. That's what I was looking for. Because there's a phenomenon talked about in ufology and sighting reports that you'll hear about. It was termed in 1994 by Jenny Randall's a British ufologist who'd come across this same thing in sighting reports. It's usually in close proximity <clears throat> sighting reports. And she turned it the Oz factor. And what happens is, is when somebody is in a very close proximity, real UAP event, not UFO, mm -hmm. UAP event, if they're close enough inside that proximity, it's like they get caught up inside of a time distortion bubble. Interesting. And they always make the comment that it's like time slows down. Mm -hmm. And there's no sound, whether they're in the middle of a city, whether they're in the middle of the woods where there should have been all sorts of night noise, wind, crickets, birds, everything, mm -hmm. there's nothing. And you hear this over and over and over. Um, even the, the school kids in the Zimbabwe school incident in uh, 1994, the same thing when those kids encountered those two beings in the schoolyard same thing you know they were right there in that same thing can i um, just real quick joe i just want to i've been knocked unconscious a couple times and i remember like there being a buzzing and then just nothing is that a similar thing or is there even no buzzing before that? it's just complete silence no complete silence okay that same bubble i believe and this is where I wanted you to bring up that question about those oh. craft. This, this is what leads into it. But this confirmation about Travis Walton, what, this was confirmation for me that something of the supernatural had happened. Because that event, I believe, is a manifestation event. Is that a, is that a scientific term or is that something you've coined yourself? 
No, that's a biblical term. Okay. I believe that he is he was in the presence in the in the in the envelope of a manifestation. Now, if you listen to what the scientists are talking about and trying to describe what these objects, the Tic Tac and all these other things are doing out there on, around those Navy ships, the ability for these things to move at the speeds they're moving, at the turns that they're making, they would almost have to be inside of a bubble. Mm-hmm. Like a time, torn dis apart. time distortion bubble. Yeah, because the G-forces are just beyond anything material could handle, right? I mean, if they could, if, if they were in that same bubble, it would mean nothing to them. Hmm. I believe what we're seeing there are spiritual manifestations. I believe that any of these, see, you got to keep in mind that, and even MUFON will tell you this, 98% of all reported UFO sightings are either misidentified natural mm -hmm. phenomenon or man-made phenomenon. It's that 2% or less that puzzle everyone. And that's kind of why the term's been changed to UAPs unidentified aerial phenomenon because it's it they they operate a little different um so the the contention would be there's no nuts and bolts no steel no fabrication this is this is an immaterial object manifesting well, i mean can, it, can they shine can they can they have like sure. a glow okay mm -hmm. sure here let's let's try and just and i'm working on this for the uh, third book um, <laughs> because this has got to be explained and i'm doing my best to try and find the the information to explain it when jesus came out of the tomb he warned him do not touch me yet did he not he did why hmm. wow that's yeah he did say that i never really thought about that that's an interesting Interesting sentence. Why would he speak that? And then later he said, touch me. Feel the wounds. Put mm -hmm. your fingers in the wounds. Because his body was transitioning. The whole point, because he was able to, to appear into a completely closed room. Mm -hmm. He could eat, drink, mm -hmm. build appear a fire. Appear to appear to anyway. Mm -hmm. Let's go back and look at some of the angelic appearances. The two that showed up at uh, to visit Lot. I mean, they were pretty enticing to the people of the city, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they were pretty convincing to look human, but we know that they were spiritual angels. So they manifested themselves to appear as human. Okay? They cannot be human. They're spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. 
They took on the appearance. So if it's that convincing that they can even sit and eat, not only did they take on the appearance of a physical body, but they also had clothes on. So they also manifested clothing. Now, what's these, what is the, the one connection between every material object, whether it be clothing or our physical bodies? Molecules and energy. Mm -hmm. Where do they exist? Everywhere. Interesting. So if they come into our realm, they're only utilizing what's already here. They're not creating. Mm -hmm. They're just using the building blocks that are already there. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference from what's more complicated? Me or a nuts and bolts craft? Oh, us for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, second, Remember, second Corinthians will... 11 says uh, even the adversary can masquerade himself as an angel or messenger of light. Correct. So. Yeah. So let's go back to that Second Thessalonians. We know that these angels can see everybody's looking for technology. Everybody says we gotta we gotta uncover their technology. We gotta we gotta back engineer their technology. The whole thing is none of this is technology. This whole thing is just spiritual ability mm -hmm. of these beings. It's not technology. Only a person who doesn't believe in the spiritual, they have no words for it. So they can only call it technology. Mm -hmm. But this is these beings' natural ability to do this. This is all natural for them to be able to do what they're doing. When God says, you know, that when he come and spoke to Moses, appeared as a, as a burning bush, how is that any different than a metallic craft? Right. Good point. You know? Mm -hmm. And a bush that never burned out. Or a, or a pillar of fire or whatever, a cloud that came and, you know, followed them or, you know, directed them through the desert, whatever, you know? So they're just appearing they're 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 manifesting and however however we perceive it i like what you were saying earlier about the idle mind and that you know the the nations with more people with an idle mind are uh the ones that are noticing these things uh because they got a little too much time on their hand that that's actually something i, I talk about with my clients that you know a lot of them deal with depression anxiety it's 99% of the time when they have a, when they're in an idle, in an idle state, they're not busy. They're not, they're not occupying their, their mind or their body with some kind of something, some kind of activity. And, uh, so I can see that I can see how these things manifest in the physical realm. And the only explanation is technology. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Well, and, and there are, the angels are, are higher than us in intelligence and in time. So, it's easy to deceive something like I could deceive an ant <laughs> into doing whatever sure. I want, you know? So it's the intelligence level. And just like they've been around since creation, 
it's it of course they're going to be more advanced or more knowledgeable than us but they're it's always deception is the yes. game it's always about deceiving or tricking us yes so i can totally see how they could and we don't know the capabilities of what they can manifest as a material object like a, like a like i you know i've I equate this with the ghost stories that I I did tons of research into ghost stuff and objects would move and, you know, all these just stupid stuff, but sometimes things would manifest objects and you're like, well, how is that possible? But if, if it's, if it's all deception and it's all sleight of hand and tricks of the enemy and, and we don't understand obviously the spiritual world the way they do, that's their, that's their habitation. Our mm -hmm. habitation is, is in this, this dimension then how are we supposed to explain something so such with such more complexity than something we're living in? I mean, we think our world's complex. That's it doesn't even it pales in comparison to the spiritual realm. Sure. So yeah, I mean, I guess it, it's like there's just no way to fully ever understand it until we're on the other side, right? I mean, we're we're kind of putting pieces together and putting the puzzle together, but yeah, I mean, what you're saying makes just so much sense. I mean, it's it's. It's funny because that narrative we've all been told is that, oh, there it's these objects that have come from deep space and they've traveled, you know, the hundreds of thousands of light years. And I've, I never believed that. I always thought that was nonsense. But, you know, when you when you talk about portals or you're talking about these these areas that the spirit and the, well, the interdimensional beings that they're calling them are entering through, then you kind of understand time doesn't matter for these mm -mm. things that they're not they're not bound by by limits and other than what god's put restrained them to but as far as for us it's limitless i mean they can do whatever they want come and go and and trick us and yeah it's just yep. evil but it's what's malevolent. the crazy part is that if it if this is the part of the strong delusion who's who's behind it mm -hmm. it's god himself he said it was mm -hmm. him yeah he said he would send a strong delusion. I mean, they're perpetrating it, but he's the one that's pulling the strings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and that that has got to shake you up to the core to understand that he's the one that's testing us. Yeah, and I think mm -hmm. we need to be careful that, you know, because I know there's some Christians that would probably be like, well, God's not evil. He can't do evil. Well, that's not what we're saying. No. Second uh, Thessalonians makes it very clear that he would send a strong delusion because of the unbelieving world, because of the evil that's been perpetrated upon evil. So yep. it's not because he is evil. He's always used evil to bring good, sure. you know, to bring a harvest or, you know, whatever it sure. is, but it's, yeah, that's what we have to understand as Christians. And, and mm -hmm. here's the thing too. This is exactly like, like I'm trying to remember the scripture, but it's, it's exactly like what happened when they were in the desert. Uh, when they were grumbling to Moses, you know, uh, about not having enough food and not having enough water, <laughs> but yet they did have enough food mm -hmm. and they did have enough water. They were just grumbling, you know, and, and God told Moses, he's going to send the fiery snakes, you know, and to take that one fiery snake and put it up on a pole. And the only way they'll be saved is if from the biting of the snakes is if they look to the one that's on the pole, mm -hmm. That's exactly what we're dealing with here. Yeah. You know, he's sending the fiery snakes again. And they're all looking for help. They're all looking for help for falling for these fiery snakes that are biting him and deceiving him. Mm -hmm. And where's the help? 
again, it's still on that cross. Mm -hmm. It's still on that pole. And that's exactly what my testimonies are showing. These people that have fallen for this lie, that fallen for this same deception, again, that are looking for help, that same help is still on that pole. That same help is right yes. there. It's the same story from the people in Exodus, in the wilderness. That was a foreshadow of what was to come at the cross. And it's still a foreshadow of what's coming now. Yes. It's still Jesus is the only way to get out of this. And he's right there. Amen. Amen. Joe, is there a is there a testimony that stands out above the rest for you? Like, is there like a light bulb moment or was there just a case that baffled you for a bit? Well, one of the most powerful testimonies and cases I worked with was uh, the late Joyce Aarons and her family. Um, before I became a Christian and I used to watch all the, you know, the TV shows and everything on UFOs and abductions and everything, Back in the early 90s, on sightings and the A&E channel, mm -hmm. they used to run lots of shows, same shows every year would repeat. And uh, there was a show that used to come on on abductions on both of those channels that I used to watch on abductions. And I'll never forget seeing this family, mother, father, daughter, and son. And at the end, they'd always throw in the grandkids. It was something was happening to them too. Um, but it was a whole family that was affected in um, in Missouri. And I was going, wow, you know, a whole family just messed with by these entities. And then years went by. I'm doing my research. I never forget seeing that show. I'm working with abductees. I became a Christian. And then one Sunday night, I'll never forget it. It was the last night of X-Files. And I told my wife, I will take no calls. I am going to watch the last show ever of X-Files. <laughs> Do not interrupt me. <laughs> no phone calls. Well, my good friend that used to work at the Florida Today newspaper here, Billy Cox, journalist, is very well known in the UFO community. He's still writing articles. Now he's over at the Tampa St. Pete um, paper. And uh, <laughs> he used to write articles and include me in there because I was the MUFON guy. He had written an article that morning in the Sunday paper and happened to include in there that I lived in Port St. John. And that was enough for somebody to find my phone number. Well, this gal found my phone number because of my name and location. And I'm in halfway through the end of the X-Files and my wife comes knocking on the door. <laughs> you got a phone call. I said, no, I told you, don't interrupt me. I got to see my show. You really need to take this phone call. 
I thought, oh man. So I did. And I listened to this gal for about 45 minutes of her giving me this story. She saw my name in the paper, wanted to share her story about me being, or her being an abductee. She was famous and her whole family was experiencers and she'd been in magazines and, you know, TV. And uh, about 45 minutes into the call with her, I realized that she wasn't so happy, really. And I said, would you like to meet up someplace and talk some more? He said, yeah, I would. So we set a time and a place, neutral place at a restaurant uh, locally. And we met and I had the opportunity to listen to some more. And uh, she had left her family and uh, in Missouri and moved to Florida to live with her sister. And uh, I don't know what had happened. Their family had broken up or something. And she come across me and she just wanted to continue to share her story. And uh, well, while I had her there in that restaurant, I said, I'm not sure why you contacted me, but I need to, before we go any farther, I need to tell you what I do. And uh, I shared with her about my testimonies. And I could see a change on her face that was just, ooh, you know, a Christian sharing something with somebody who doesn't believe. And spirit was recognizing spirit real bad. And she was getting real irritated. And she says, after a while, I mean, I was able to get a plenty of information out. And she says, I, I really got to go. And she just up and went. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to see her again. About two weeks went by and I got a phone call. She says, I'm sorry I left so quick that day, but I've had time to think about what you had to say. And she says, I'd like that help that those people had. I said, really? I said, uh, would you like to meet up? She says, can I come to your home? Hmm. I said, you can. Well, she came to my home, gave her directions. And that day she gave her life to Christ in my living room with wow. my wife and I present. Hallelujah. And Joyce Aarons became my most prominent vocal testimony with me for the next 15 years. Um, she just passed away a, a few years ago. And, uh, man, I was able to, uh, see that her husband came to the truth before he passed away and her son came to the truth. He became a believer. Both of them did. I actually had the opportunity to baptize her son in Roswell at the holiday. Wow. Inn. <laughs> wow of all yeah. place. <laughs> yeah. And, Very cool. uh, yeah. yeah, it was fascinating. That's experience. amazing. Praise the only God. one that uh, the only one that didn't come around was the daughter. But I had the opportunity to give the whole talk in front of her at my church. She came to my church where her mom was also going, and I asked the pastor, "Can I do the talk for her?" And he said, "Yeah." And I watched her sit and just bawl her eyes out the whole talk. 
and I was able to talk with her one-on-one -on -one afterwards. And, you know, I said, you can't unhear anything I ever, I said today. And she says, I know. Um, hmm. So she got to hear the truth, but just wasn't ready to make sure. a decision for it. But most fascinating story, everybody, millions and millions of people saw those shows but millions and millions of people never got to see the rest of the story. But Gary Bates, my friend from CEO of Creation Ministries International, they put together a fascinating movie documentary in 2018 that aired, um, Alien Intrusion, Unmasking of Deception. And, uh, had the opportunity to have Joyce on the show, on the, on the movie. Cool. And, uh, she gave her testimony and, uh, that was right before she passed. And, uh, I know that millions and millions of people got to see that. Hmm. That's amazing. Isn't that something, you know, that cool. <laughs> what the devil meant for evil, right. And, and deception turns out to be all the glory goes to God. He ends up, Oh, Absolutely. That's such an, he always, I love that. That's what I love about God is that he can use the most hopeless case. You know, I was a hopeless case. I mean, we all were, you know, before we came to Christ, we didn't know it, but it's just amazing how that happens, that he just can transform you. And I mean, the best testimony is a testimony that you've given your life to him and it changed life. It's just, that's so amazing. I love that. Just, oh man, what an awesome story. On what, my on my YouTube channel, if you look at the video unholy communion casualties of a cosmic war you will see um her and her son together at the end they come up as t living testimony and uh you'll also see where i show a picture of her husband who had just passed away uh, you know a picture in memory of him uh, but you'll see her and her and um her, her and her son together come up as living testimony yeah, I'm uh, trying to get there. My computer was uh, doing that's, a couple that's weird one things. Of, that's one of my favorite talks that I've ever done, I believe. Um, and that's actually the name of the second book I'm working on, Unholy Communion, Casualties of a Cosmic War. Um, let's see. I, testimonials. Here we go. I think. It might, is... be under, might be under conferences conferences let me well let me uh give you a hang on one second here i gotta get this going my computer's acting up a little bit okay um so is this her right here oops this uh, oh yeah that's her that's that her, her there okay. yeah i remember i do remember her testimony i remember uh when i was researching i watched this and you said she just passed away a couple of years ago? Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's amazing. So, you know, out of all these abduction cases, what what would the percentage be of sexually something happening to a person? Because that seems to be like a recurring theme with this stuff. Um, it is. It, you know, predominantly these cases are women. And, you know, this hybridization thing is 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 quite a focal point on this. Um, but my take on that, you know, being that it's not a physical thing that's actually happening, but 
the whole concept of this this hybridization thing, this whole thing of of taking babies from them and <laughs> and then showing them babies later and mm -hmm. saying this is your child. Think about it. What's the strongest thing with a woman? It's the maternal instinct. Mm -hmm. If you want to control a woman, that's what you go after. It doesn't need to be real. Just the idea. Right. It reminds me of uh, a lot of the things that, uh, what was it most recently in New York City, they put a PSA out about how to, how to get ready for a nuclear blast, suggesting that that's something that's coming down the pike. You yeah. know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's not necessarily useful other than to suggest or to get people to believe that this is something that's going to happen. And so I could see that, that manipulation coming into play with maternal instinct and. Yeah. What better way to get control of somebody than tell them that, well, guess what we're going to do with your child. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we're take it. Away. I mean, I'm actually doing shows with, uh, I don't know if you remember America's most wanted John Walsh, uh, his daughter, Megan, we've been doing shows together because her children were taken from her and her her parents are behind it. There's a, it's a long story, but um, he might not be the guy he was portrayed to be on television. Let's just put it that way. And so I've been helping her out with, we have a team of people that have been doing some things with her and trying to get her kids back. And I mean, that maternal desire for her kids, you know, she can go on screen and tell you the story. And, but I know behind the camera, what she's dealing with the torment. And I mean, I just, that is that, that there's something, there's that, that connection spiritually and physically and you know that that god put in a woman and i mean in a dad too but with a woman especially i mean she's carried that baby for nine months i mean that's part of her yep. uh and you know it's i could totally see how that could be used in a malevolent way to to deceive these people and to cause the woman to want to have the experience again just so she can see her baby supposedly sure, sure. yeah that's that's interesting very interesting and so uh, uh, with the other abduction cases, if, if you had to break it down, what would be like the top three things that you see over and over again, this, of like far as like patterns and things like that? Like, is it sexual stuff would be maybe number one or is it something else? Yeah, sexual is number one. There's always this medical aspect to it. Um, the idea that people talk about where they're able to pass through the walls or the ceiling um, that's yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's something that's a major red flag that you got to consider. You know, if these are physical beings, how are they able to do that? Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's because it's not. You know, and the, the, there's there's so much bizarreness to the whole thing. And there's another aspect to this too, is why are no two beings look the same <laughs> to, between experiences? Why do no two craft look the same? You know. Hmm. So do you think it's the imagination of the person while they're under this spell, so to speak, that it's just it kind of like when you're in a dream state, a lot of times you're, you know, if you find yourself in a home and in the dream, it seems like your home. But as soon as you wake up, you're like, oh, that's not my home. Why right. did I think that was my home? Is it kind of like that? You're just kind of it's the state of confusion and the subconscious when you're yeah. sleeping. Like, OK, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it it wasn't until I had this real <laughs> vivid dream that just blew me away how real this could even be 
Um, it, it's hard to comprehend these things until you've actually experienced it. Now, I told you I've had an experience that I don't like to get into because I don't like to put the focus on me because then the issues become, the attacks become personal. Sure. And that's what I've tried not to do. The focus has been on these testimonies, which has been the focus. So, but there was one night I had this dream that was just so memorable and I have to use it because it, it let me know how real these things could be. Um, in the dream, I was in a movie theater with my wife. We're sitting in these in the chairs in the movie theater. I'm watching the movie. I mean, was, I was there. I was there watching this movie with her. And then something bit me on the toe. And it was like, ouch. I mean, it hurt. <laughs> and instantly I woke up and I was like, geez, that was real. It hurt. And my toe was still hurting when I woke up. I mean, that was intense, you know? And it puzzled me how it could hurt in a dream and still hurt when I woke up. I couldn't comprehend what was happening there. So I blew it off. I went back to sleep and I'm right back in the same dream in the same seat watching the same movie. So, okay, sitting there watching the same things going by and all of a sudden, again, on that toe. Again, it hurt. Again, I wake up and I'm going, wow, that is incredible. That is so realistic. And again, I'm puzzled. How is this even possible? Finally got dozed off again, got comfortable. Right back in that same dream, back in the seat next to my wife, watching the movie. And then I look down and the floor is just moving. And I'm like, what is this? And I look down and this floor is just covered with these giant crabs with these arms. And they're moving up the floor, up the theater. And one of them reaches down and pinches my toe. And it hurt. And I woke up. And I jumped back with my leg. And I realized right then, gotcha. It was my cat. <laughs> but you good. see what the mind can do that's amazing yes. yeah yes <laughs> well in a weird way it's kind of like when you're dreaming and you're, i'm sure guys especially have had this dream where you really have to go to the bathroom in a dream and you but and in the dream you just can't go you're frustrated because you can't go to the bathroom. I know this is kind of, <laughs> sorry, ladies, but <laughs> we've all experienced it. And so you can't go. And then finally, I mean, this this is so frustrating in a dream. It keeps playing over and over again. And then finally you wake up and like, oh my gosh, I got to go to the bathroom. So it's like your your subconscious is telling you, hey, hey, idiot, wake up. <laughs> you need to go, you know, <laughs> drain yourself. It's like, so yeah, it makes total sense. And you can see how the mind can be easily deceived, especially yes. in a state like that. Yes. You're, you're very uh, prone to, to being, you know, deceived at that state of mind. Um, you know, real quick, I, I don't want to miss this. Someone in the chat, I think it was Plant Patriot, said, what about uh, DMT and mushrooms and all these other things? Like, I think it's Richard Gear or Greer, Greer. Richard Gere's a whole different person. 
Richard Greer, is he the one that's been using ayahuasca to have all these trips? Or am I mixing him up with somebody else? Richard Greer. Is it Greer? Is that his name? I always forget. He's another researcher. He was on Rogan's show, actually, talking about... Greer's the one that does the uh, CE5 stuff. He does the calling in calling Stephen in entities Stephen, Stephen Stephen Greer yeah he's yeah. The what, one that what did I say that. Richard yeah Stephen, yeah. Stephen. Richard Gear um, Richard Greer Grant, <laughs> it's all the same Grant, Grant Cameron is one that's done the ayahuasca stuff. oh that's who it yes yes yeah and, and Grant Graham Hancock right isn't he the... uh, Graham Hancock and uh Grant yes. Cameron yep yep uh those guys yes okay and, and like uh, again that just that just proves your point doesn't it? I mean, it yeah. just seems like all these, if you're using an illicit drug to get an experience, I mean, what does that tell you? You're opening up your mind to all kinds yes. of crap in your spirit. Yes. <laughs> it does, seems pretty, uh, I don't know, easy to figure that one out. Yeah. Yeah. This, this seduction with the whole idea that you can come in contact with the gods, you know, that is such a powerful seduction, you know, and that's what this whole CE5 is about right now. You know, and these young kids are picking up on it. You know, they're they're seeing Hollywood, you know, these these Hollywood characters talk about it, you know, that they tap in and you know, they're, they're just going into this willy nilly. I always find it fascinating that these these supposed aliens travel hundreds of millions of light years to tell us that Jesus isn't real or that he's just some prophet or just Well some... and when I when I rationalized that actually when when I first heard about your research and I and I and I stumbled upon the data you had I thought to myself wow well you know this this if they are coming from all of these places somewhere else that means Jesus is known universe wide which I think his name is known universe wide yep. but either or I was on board I was going hey there's power in the name of Jesus <clears throat> whatever these entities are they know that name Yep. They know the power associated with that name, and so it just it it just points to Jesus, and I love it. I, that, that's that's the the initial takeaway I got from when I started uh, looking into what you were doing with these testimonies, and uh, there's so many to read through too. It's awesome. Yes, and there's still more that I haven't even shared yet. Uh, I still got about a hundred that I haven't been able to post up yet. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and they're they're still coming in. Um, you know, in case people don't realize, uh, I'd like to share where, you know, the, the authority comes from real quick, you know, because I'd like to back everything up with scripture. If this is something that, that is, is biblically based and, and I can show it, uh, that's important. So when I first came across this, this concept that somebody could use the name of authority to stop this, I said, all right, where does scripture tell me that? You know, where does scripture says they can, they can stop these beings? <clears throat> well, I knew Jesus had done it uh, in the book of Mark. You, you saw where he was, you know, casting demons out of the demoniacs. But mm -hmm. I'm talking about believers doing it, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where I wanted to be able to say that, you know, that we could do it. We knew the apostles could do it, but could it, could we do it? So, I said, all right, where do I go look? Well, the chapter you go look at is Ephesians. That's going to be your spiritual warfare chapter, uh, our book. So you go to chapter six, that's your warfare chapter. So let's look at it in context. So verse 12 tells you who you're warring against, you know, mm -hmm. 
for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. So we know we're dealing with spiritual beings, not fleshly, flesh and blood. So that tells us right there, these are not physical beings. Okay, so how do we deal with them? Um, so we go to, oh, I'm glad you put it up. So you look at the the one sermon that we've all probably heard many times, which is put on the armor of, of God. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the problem that I came across with putting on the armor of God is usually it stops at verse 17, where it says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And usually that's where it stops. So it gets you all dressed up in all of this armor for what purpose? Defending yourself from the from the wiles of the enemy, correct? Correct. Defending yes. yourself from the wiles of the enemy. You ever play football? Oh, yeah. Defense or offense? I played offense. Well, I played both, but mostly offense, receiver. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you're on defense, kind of hard to score, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Very difficult. Okay. okay. So it's <laughs> kind of hard to win a game if you're only playing a defense. Right. But yet these testimonies I have won the game. They played offense. Mm -hmm. Where's the offensive move? It's obviously not ending in verse 17. No. So I had to read on because most church sermons end in verse 17 and i thought why <laughs> that's so true that's so true so i read on and then it's you get to verse 18 praying at all times you know in the spirit with all prayer and supplication blah 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 and then i got to this one verse 19 and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly what does that mean that words may be given to me. By who? The Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. By the, by mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To me and opening my mouth boldly. What does that mean? That means you're going to think in your head? No. No. That means you're going to shout out loud. Yes. To who? What's the context? To the enemy. To the enemy, yeah. Why do you have to shout out loud to the enemy? Because he can't read your mind. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I, I've actually experienced this firsthand, Joe. In fact, I've taught this <clears throat> right here on the channel. Sorry to interrupt, but um, what? Uh, oops, hit the wrong button. Sorry. Um, I've actually talked about this extensively. That I used to deal with anxiousness quite a bit, mm -hmm. and no one would have known it on the outside. It was all internal, and I mean, it literally it would cause all kinds of physical problems. My arm would tingle, my chest would hurt all the time. I had tightness in my chest, like, almost like a heart attack. And this went on for like a decade. And it was a lot of stress and other things going on in my life. And one day I realized, I'm like, wait a minute. I just felt like the Spirit told me, tell it to leave. And I said, wait a minute. This, Yeah, I have authority over this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I literally told that thing to leave. And I felt it leave. I felt the presence. I felt the weight of it come off of me. And it's it's tried to return a couple times. And I told it, get lost. And I mean, I have perfect peace now. Like, for it, you know, I still get stressed out about things. And I got to worry, you know. I got to uh, protect myself against those things. But that's exactly the same thing that you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. 
the most powerful <clears throat> weapon in the universe is sitting in the hands of the believer. None of this so-called appearance of technology means anything. Mm -hmm. The world thinks it does. They're trying to portray it as a threat to humanity. Mm -hmm. Yep. And unless we can show the rest of the believers in this world that aren't listening, that we have authority over this, and this is the deception that we have authority over through Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. This is the greatest, I believe that right now, this is the greatest opportunity for the church to witness to humanity, a lost humanity, because we're all on the same page. Mm -hmm. We're all talking about the same thing, just in a different language. They're talking about interdimensionals. We're talking about spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. It's just a different language, but it's the same thing. If we can empower the church to get on board, they have the best opportunity in the human history to witness to a lost world. Yeah, so true. Very true. Yeah, we're so, we're so connected now to the ability to, you know, that's why I do the testimonies on Thursdays is because those are, they're there. They're on the internet yeah. now. There's somewhere yep. somebody may stumble upon one and it might plant that seed of faith that they need. Um, it's, it's, it's very important that we continue to uh, share the gospel. You know, at the end of the day, that's, that's really what's important. Everything else is stuff that's going to be revealed to us in time. Yeah. We'll know, you know, eventually, but I, that's why I like, that's why I like your research so much because it is, it's, it just point. It just to me, it's the evidence of the power, the power of the God that we serve, and uh, His name. And it's just, it's awesome. It really is awesome. You know, I've had people over the years ask me, "Does this work? Does this name work for a non-believer?" Yeah, mm -hmm. but you'll be a believer afterwards. Exactly. Well, you know yeah. what's funny? You can even you see that in the Gospels. Yeah, because remember the disciples came back and they said these guys are casting out demons in your name, and he says, "What business is business of you if they're of the kingdom and they're doing they're casting out demons, whether they're of us or not of us?" It, it just shows you that it's. And again, I, I've I've stressed this before. <clears throat> the name Jesus was a very common name. Okay, it's not like it's it's not G J E S U S is where the power is. It's who he is. Yes. yes. Right. So we understand that, but I know some Christians think, well, it's just you know that name, that name, and it, well, if that was true, it would be the name for anybody that had that name in the old, in the New and Old Testament, especially in the New Testament. So, but we understand there's a title, right? We understand the authority comes from from him. The Roman soldier recognized that authority. Yes. Remember mm -hmm. with that that account when the Roman soldier said, you know, you you don't even have to go under my roof. Just tell tell my servant to be healed, and I know he'll be healed. I recognize that authority. So mm -hmm. I, I, I've always, I, and an authority, you know, you know, this Joe, um, you know, the name and claim it crowd and all these other things, they've, they've, they've diluted the truth of what authority is and made it into kind of a clown show sometimes. And it's a shame because we do have authority as believers, but it's been, the devil has creeped in the church and hidden it behind some of these false doctrines. And that's where the that's where the real struggle is as someone that under you know, as guys that understand this. It's hard to convey a message because people have been damaged by bad teaching. 
But when you've seen it, I mean, you've seen it over six, 700 times now, <laughs> and it works every time. I mean, there's something to this, folks. You know, I mean, it, this is this is real. You know, Joe, an, an, an anecdotal story is I was watching, I don't know, it's Ghost Hunters or one of those shows when I was doing my research. I told Michael this before. And it was just, it was kind of funny. I'm watching the show and then they saw something, you know, they had the infrared lights on or cameras on or something. And they spotted something like crawling around on the floor. It was really weird looking, some spiritual thing. And they didn't notice it while they were filming. But later on, one of the guys felt actually during it, one of the guys felt something. He felt like cold or, or something. And he said, and he yelled out the name of Jesus, kind of like a curse word more than anything. And, and all of a sudden the thing disappears on the camera. Now they didn't know that at the time. So at the end of the show, they're reviewing their tapes and they're going through it. And, they, and, and the guy, the head, the head investigator, he says, I'll never forget this. He says, he says, we were, we were watching film and playing it back. And we noticed when, you know, Jay said the name, the, uh, some, he said some, um, uh, said re religious jargon, religious jargon. jargon. That's what it's yeah. some religious jargon. The entity disappeared. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Come on, guys. Like, <laughs> it's just so obvious. Like, oh, man. So there's a you know perfect example of someone using the name and not even meaning to. And it <laughs> it still scared the thing. Well, I mean, even like the demons tremble, about... right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you were talking about the, the name and claim it and the prosperity preaching and all of that stuff. It seems to me that that also goes along with the... Um, it's almost oh. like an elimination of the spiritual. <laughs> oh, can you hear me? Joe, Joe, yeah. No, Joe's going to take a break for a second here, guys. Oh, He'll okay. be back. Go ahead, Michael. Go ahead. But it seems like it it, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with the elimination of the spiritual. You know, it's almost like, well, we pray to God and we acknowledge God exists, but everything else, the angels and uh, demonic possession and all of that, that's just... You know, it's just something they wrote about in the past when they were mm -hmm. writing, you know, the books of the Bible. It's not real. It's not something we struggle or deal with today. And it's just odd to me, you know, that we have those, I guess, cultural. They're Again, they're cultural Christians. You know, the uh, the I'm Christian by birth or by blood or <laughs> I was born in America. Our, our favorite Christian. ones. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, and what's so, weird, though, Michael, that, that's actually more common. It's. It, I have a, a Muslim friend, and um, he he tells me all the time. He's like, I, I don't know if I'm really Muslim. I just it's because my parents were, and you know, my, our culture. And same thing in the Hindu community. When I worked in all these Hindu homes, it was the same thing. Most of them didn't believe it. They were just, well, yeah, we celebrate because that's what we are. So yeah. it's, it's it's guilty cultural... by association. <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is that's cultural. What I think a lot of the, uh, the a lot of the folks that go to some of these self-help type places these help self-help uh sunday clubs i guess mm -hmm. they, you can call them the self-help groups um a lot of them that's why you know they just continue to go because they get that little boost every every week or whatever it is but it's interesting you know when he was talking about uh people not accepting the data because because they can't accept what that means the depth mm -hmm. of it you know accepting that people who profess christ can end can end uh these abduction experiences is also accepting that there is truth yep yep to who jesus is and uh that's a hard pill for people to swallow i know like that's why that's why i put it um i compared it to reading when i read, read when i read the purpose-driven life 
I had that Bible. I was on the ship. I was deployed. I'd look in that Bible. I'd go, okay, I'm feeling lonely. I'd go to the scripture that I'm supposed to go to when I feel lonely. means nothing to me. It was just, it was like reading gibberish. And then I read the Purpose Driven Life, get to the point where they're like, all right, it's time to accept Christ. I'm like, nah, I'm good. And I put it down and never picked it back up. And it wasn't until the next year that I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. But um, that's why I just, it's amazing to me that our cognitive dissonance will prevent us from accepting the reality of things, uh, even if it's presented to a lot of us in, you know, in person. Doubting Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Our good friend Kiwi uh, in the chat said she must be behind because she said Richard Gere was on in Pretty Woman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Richard Gere. Oh, gosh. Uh, so I, I don't know, guys, if you've noticed, we have a uh, cryon at the bottom here. Is that what they call them? Cryon, cryons, cryons, whatever. The, the, I always call it a crawler. <laughs> the thing at the bottom scrolling uh, has all of Joe's contact information and websites and things. And I'll, I'll also drop it in all the uh, descriptions uh, once these upload. And then you'll have all that if you want to go to his website or contacted by email um fascinating i i, I oh this is so i, I joe do you ha- could you have more time or do you want to i got time okay because i i could talk about this forever <laughs> it's just so fascinating and, and you know what really struck me was that i never thought about it and it made so much sense when i brought up you know when they find something in someone's body and it's moving i never thought well of course the demon could move it like it's not hard for them to move something in, in a bot. That makes so much sense. And it, it never struck me before until just then when you were talking about it. So, yeah, thank you for that. You got to remember, it's, it's whatever it takes to make you believe. Right. You know, if they presented themselves as demons, then more people would believe in God. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they'd be looking, go, True. Okay, I mean, there's this guy flying around with horns. In, 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 in a pitchfork, you know, like, I mean, you know, I know that's probably not how they look, but, you know, there's this guy doing this and we see it and it's clear that that to me would be uh, pointing to God and, and that we don't want to interact with these these things. But when they make themselves beings of light that are going to come and ascend humanity to the next level, it uh, it's a it's it's a hopeful, I guess, message for this life, you know, for people who don't necessarily understand that we have an eternal life an eternal soul true and uh one of two places to be when we get there you know it's what's also funny about these so-called abduction cases is how the person is always so important and i shouldn't say always but but a lot of the time oh you you are you know meant for humanity at this moment in time and and we have we're going to bring messages through you to the to the humanity and you know it's just all this uh gobbledygook from new age type junk and and you know what else i find incredibly fascinating joe is that back in let's go back to the early 1800s how come there was no alien abductions back then or in the 1700s or 1600s or 1500s it just seems to be in our culture today when sci-fi was kind of invented so to speak yes i mean that's strange to me and i say that sarcastically sorry (laughs) and something else it's changed too if you follow the history of ufology is look at the look at the contactees of the 50s late 50s you know these the stories that they were telling when they were having so-called contact with these beings they were from the local planets in our solar system 
but once we were starting to get craft out there to those planets, you know, different craft being sent out, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, there's no more contact with beings from other planets. All of a sudden, now they're from star systems. <laughs> what a great you know? point. That is such you know? a great point. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was Mars. It was Venus. It yeah. was, you know, yeah. And all of a sudden, well, wait, we got to go farther than that. <laughs> yeah. Now, and of course, it's it's light years or hundreds of light years because you'll never, oh, we'll never go that far. So, yeah. You it's know, such people, people always throw in that. That, that question, you know, how could the universe be so vast? How can you think it's there's nothing in it when it's so huge? You know, I got to share a, a, a little testimony about that. You know, I worked at the Kennedy Space Center before I went over to Korea. And uh, I was there before the shuttle program, you know, right at the end when the shuttle program died is when I went to Korea. Um, I figured I'd go and do a five-year plan over there that wait for private industry to catch up and come back. Well, five years turned into 11. <laughs> now I'm back. Uh, but before I left, NASA had come out with a, a movie that they had produced during the shuttle program called Hubble 3D. And it was about 45 minutes long. I think you can find it on YouTube now. But it was a a 3D IMAX movie that they had made using uh, their super cameras, their IMAX cameras that they had taken in space on a shuttle mission to repair the Hubble telescope with its new lenses. And they showed the whole mission where the astronauts... I I saw that. Did you? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, this this was when it first came out. It wasn't shown to the public yet. We have the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Center right outside the edge of the Kennedy Space Center. That's where all the public comes to see everything. And they have an IMAX theater. So NASA said that they would let every employee on the Kennedy Space Center on company time go see the IMAX movie for free. You're talking 15,000 people. (laughs) So it all got scheduled to where we all got to go see the movie. And there were five of us on our safety crew. So we had to split it up. We couldn't go together. So when it came my time, I went and I sat up there in that theater, you know, didn't know anybody I was sitting next to. So I'm sitting there in the dark and I watched this beautiful, beautiful 3d IMAX movie. It was awesome. And, uh, you know, they did the first part about fixing the lens, and then they took that trip out into space, right? Mm-hmm. With the view of the new Hubble lenses. And they take you out as far as they could see, and then it comes back. Oh, man, the Lord laid it on my heart exactly why that universe is so big. I walked out of there all at he had given me the reason why it was so big in that moment. I mean, that was worth my whole experience working at the space center <laughs> to get that answer. And it was in his foreknowledge, God knew that we would eventually have the ability to build telescopes great enough to see 
that far out there mm -hmm. that he had to make it so big that we would forever be in awe of him yeah. and never see the end. Well, one of my favorite views from Hubble was when they zoomed in on what looked like just a star. Remember that? And that turns yep. out to be like tens of thousands of galaxies. <laughs> it's yep. just this little dot of a, it's just, it's so awe-inspiring. You know, one of my favorite arguments is from a, a lot of agnostics, mostly uh, some atheists and even some believers I've heard. It's just like, well, how can we be so arrogant that we're the only ones in all of the universe. And I'm like, this is not a hard question. Like if, if God chose to just have one race of beings other than, you know, that we're not including the angels and things to rule on a planet in this monster universe, that's up to him to decide. Why, why is that so arrogant? It's, it's to show it's to declare his glory. That's what the Bible tells yes. us. Psalms tells us that here. Remember, everything is a counterfeit that the enemy's doing. And, and I put it this way too. Look at what the UFO phenomenon does to you, if you believe it. It makes you believe that you're a you're a in, you know, just a tiny nothing mm -hmm. on a planet, a huge rock in space, with a bunch of other nothings walking around, biological beings that mean nothing because there's billions of us on this rock, on this solar system in a galaxy that could be full of many others in a universe with billions of others. Right. So you're getting small, your importance is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Right. So you're, you're, you're nothing in this UFO realm phenomenon. You're, you're meaningless, but in God's book, you're everything. That's right. You're, you're the center of his creation. You're the center of his world. You, you. Which it's one like, do you want to it's be? It's like being an only child with God. Yeah. I mean, which one do you want to be? It's crazy. It is. Uh, Michael needs to uh, leave. Uh, so you want to say, uh, you want any last <laughs> questions before you go? Or got any yeah, words of uh... wisdom for us? No, I'm just starting to get a headache, so I got to... Oh, gonna, oh, no, not gonna, another one. I'm going to turn the screen off. Okay. But, uh, no, I just wanted to say thank you, Joe, for coming on. It's sure. been a pleasure having you. I'd love to to hear more from you and, and ask you more questions in the future. I, sure. I uh, I had questions, and then they changed, and then some of them you answered, you know, just in talking. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it'll be... Uh, it will it, it would be a pleasure to continue the conversation in the future sometime. Um, man, I did have a question too. And I just, I don't he, know. I Michael, Michael gets these migraines every now and then. And, uh, we're just, hopefully you don't, it doesn't happen. Let happen a couple of weeks ago, man. Well, we praying I just, for yeah, you, I just have the, the, uh, the big lights, the lights shining in my face yeah. and the screen and everything. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to take off. Um, I'll be back tomorrow. I'm going to be streaming tomorrow at Excellent. 5 p.m. Central. Oh, so, back in the uh, saddle. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So starting again next week. So uh, folks who uh, who do follow, come and uh, check it out. I'm going to be starting some new some new uh, times and things. But well, anywho, what time was it tomorrow? Uh, 5 p.m. Central. Five Central. Okay, so six. Okay, you. It was four before. Now, well, it was four Eastern. Um, so, yeah, it was yeah. three. But yeah, yeah. I've, I've moved yep. up a couple of uh, 
a couple of hours just uh just so i can see more patients during the day yep gotcha man oh but uh, all right michael appreciate it bro yeah I'll, I'll see you all soon and uh god bless yep you too too take care thanks mike see ya bye-bye um yeah you know, on uh on some of the questions that believers might ask um about if they're questioning that there might be other life out there you know go look at the, if they believe god's word for what it says mm -hmm. go into revelation and look who's there at the end <laughs> there's only descendants of adam mm -hmm. from earth it's true nobody else but the hosts of heaven and descendants from adam and they only come from earth that's right and you know it's well i guess if you know if i'm looking at it if i'm putting uh, uh, an agnostic shoes on so to speak i can see where they would say well that's arrogant christians are arrogant because because they don't have a starting point like we do you know joe we we look at god and he is the starting point obviously for us mm -hmm. but for them they don't have a starting point because they're no. they're the center of their own universe so of there it's just going to be a misconstrued uh, stew of ideas that they're putting in their brain and letting it swirl around and then they've got you know obviously they got demonic influences coming from media and all these other sources and it's just i i there's an empathy i have for them because i'm just thinking wow you're just missing so much like you're just yeah. missing out on it like you know it, this world it's a short life we have here i mean if god gives me 100 years great i mean if, if i'm healthy <laughs> you know um i mean i if the lord comes today awesome like i'm i'm ready to go you know but it's but i think our job as christians in this world is to reach those type of people right we're, we're reaching out to the lost because they just don't have direction no they don't know they don't know true north they only know what their brain's telling them and they, we all know that's mush and it lies to us all the time I used to be one of them. Yeah. Well, we all were, you know, before we came yeah. to Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And it, isn't it funny when you look back on your life and you look back and you say, how did I ever not know him before? <laughs> like, you, it just seems so obvious. My wife said it the best. She said when she first came to Christ, she's like, it's so weird. It was like he was standing right in front of me all the time. And I just yeah. kept looking around him, you know, like, yeah, it's just a, that spiritual blinder, you know, the, the veil comes off and it's like, wow, it's a new world. The colors look different. The flowers look different. <laughs> <laughs> Everything smells better. Like, it's just, it's amazing. Uh, you know, I wanted to ask you another question. I, I should have asked this earlier and I kind of forgot, but so your colleagues, your peers in the industry here, what about like guys like Richard Dolan and, and Nick Pope? I mean, do you, do you have good conversations with them? Are they open to this or are they just like, no, you know, you're crazy. And I mean, I have my suspicions, but. <laughs> Richard, I've known for a long time. Um... I mean, they're intelligent guys, obviously. They, it's not, they are. Yeah. They are. But, you know, there's a lot of ego there. <laughs> that kind of comes I'll never <laughs> I'll never forget I'll never forget um I had the opportunity after the uh 60th anniversary in 2000 2006 2007 was the 60th anniversary of uh the Roswell crash that was the 60th anniversary conference in mm. uh Roswell New Mexico UFO festival the July 4th weekend. That's the one my partner, Guy Malone, did. He emceed that one. 
and uh, directed that one for the city. Well, <laughs> the last day of the conference, we were all breaking down everything and we were talking to the city council members that were there and I said, so what's going on next year? And everybody, oh, you know, they were burnt out from the conference, you know, <laughs> and uh, we don't even want to talk about next year, you know, and I just up and said, well, if you're nobody's interested, I'd be willing to put it on for you guys. And they're like, what? You're from Florida. And I said, yep, but I think my two partners right here. Uh, that live there, um, not Guy, but these other, this other couple, wouldn't mind helping me. And they both nodded their heads. So the city said, when you get home, get a hold of us. And uh, I ended up putting on the 2008 Roswell UFO conference for the city of Roswell. And Richard was, I made sure that he was on the lineup, him and his uh, his uh, wife at the time, Karen, I had her speak too. And uh, got to be pretty good friends of both of them at that time. Well, the next year, the 2009 conference, uh, we had one of our Christian conferences then. And uh, we were all had tables set up in the vendor area. <laughs> and uh, at our table, I had these posters made up that my son had put together he was with me he did a lot of our video and for us at our conferences and uh he had designed a poster a wanted poster old western style wanted poster and it was that picture you showed in the beginning with me standing there oh my yeah arms yeah crossed. yep and he did it he took a pencil sketch of it uh this one right here <laughs> yeah he, he did like a pencil sketch of it and took it out, you know, and uh, put it into like a, a, you know, an off colored, tannish colored paper and made it look like an old Western wanted poster. And <laughs> we put it out there and uh, on the table. And I'll never forget, here comes Richard Dolan and a couple of the other guys walking through the vendor area. It, I, I went, oh no. And my son was there and he says, what? And I said, here comes Richard, watch this. And Richard sees the poster and he, and he goes over and he looks at it and he's leaning over, looking at it. And I'm going, I'm just waiting to hear something. And Richard looks over at me like this and he's going, we don't hate you. And I'm, I'm laughing. He goes, we just don't like your findings. <laughs> Because my son had put on there the most hated man in ufology, you know. <laughs> I can't imagine. Like you go right into the lion's den. That's what I have always. Oh, yeah. That's what I've always admired about you is that I thought you know, I always these guys they look if this if the narrative gets exposed, which is exactly what you're doing, their careers go bye bye. I mean, it's pretty much over in a day. I mean, like it's I I. I I get where they're coming from. Like there, there has to be like a fear factor that they're they thinking. They don't believe it'll happen. Yeah. You know, they've always got the, you know, you think that, you know, you asked a question in the beginning about, you know, people still get ridiculed for it. 
Well, in their realm, it's the Christian that gets ridiculed. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about perspective. Yeah. You know, I should have... I, I, since we're talking about Roswell... So, 1947, the most famous incident in ufology history. Um, what's your take? Now, supposedly they find the they find aircraft, they find these UFOs, these saucer-shaped uh, things. Then some some people say they found some beings, some pilots, or something inside these things. Is this just a bunch of make believe, or is there some kind of uh, military thing behind this that we're uh, being duped into believing it was aliens? Because you know you had mentioned there's no physical thing to this; it's all material. It's all or immaterial. I'm sorry, uh, spiritual. It is. Um, I think it's the great American myth. Um, I think that there's a lot that was. We know that something happened mm-hmm. on that date. We know that wreckage, something material was brought in by the farmer. I mean, that's all documented. Um, what it was, everything seems to point to... A weather balloon? Yeah, not a weather balloon. It's a <laughs> mogul balloon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and it pretty much fits everything. You know? So, Oh, a- so you really, you really think it was some kind of balloon not not an actual like aircraft type thing no <clears throat> okay that's um, interesting i've never heard that angle yeah they no i think it's it's most likely was the, the one of the mogul balloons okay so the thing is it was secret at the time you know it was super secret they couldn't let that out they couldn't let the enemy know that the soviets know that we had that capability mm-hmm. there's no way that we could have let them know. They had to cover that up. They had to. So why wouldn't they, if you think about it from, if, if it is to try to cover it up and prevent our enemies from getting information, why wouldn't they have just went with the flying saucer thing? I mean, that would have been like a better cover up than going back and, you know, cause there was a lot of um, uh, varying testimony Right, the papers were saying different things, and there was different photographs, and then there's there's blurred out pictures, and you know, and so supposedly <clears throat> they have metal on, that right? you know goes back and shape. None of that. Remember, none of that happened until 1975, 74, 75. Okay, so the original papers from 1947 they stuck with the story. Uh, that famous picture of, I forgot the, uh, was it a captain or sergeant or something? He's holding the uh, the weather balloon. Is that So that story was pretty much the narrative back then until the 70s? Well, they had to change it because the first, the colonel came out and said it was, they, they uncovered a, you know, a flying, flying disc. Mm-hmm. And then they had to get, they had to change that real quick because that was way too bizarre. So they, they ended up using the, the weather balloon. Now you've actually, I'm sure you've been to the site many times while you're there well, in Roswell. That's, that's, now you, now you want to get into some good stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stanton Friedman was probably your mm-hmm. best guy on all of this. 
Um, yeah, I used to talk to Stanton. He was such a character. Um, he would I never. Uh, let's let's talk about Stan because maybe people don't know who he is. See, I, I've read his stuff. I used to watch his stuff. I I, I thought he was just a brilliant guy. Um, he was. But now, obviously, he would be on the other side of the aisle as far as this stuff goes, thinking that it was more material and. Uh, yeah. Now, here's the thing about the crash sites, though. Um, 2005, I'm with uh, some guys and David Flynn, and uh, who's passed away. Brilliant, brother, brilliant guy. Yeah. yeah. And, and Mark, his brother, twin brother. And uh, we're all headed out to the desert. <laughs> to this location that his research led him to. You familiar with that word? I am. Mm -hmm. Well, we went there. I got the video. Cool. On my YouTube channel. Oh, it is? I didn't see that. How did I miss that? Yeah, I'll send you the link. Okay. You gotta watch it. So we went to that location with GPSs and everything. We got as far as we could drive. It's on the northwest side of town. I think that's where we were, northwest. And uh, it's not where the other so-called crash sites are. But before we went, we were staying at the Sallyport Hotel. And uh, we'd gone in for breakfast before we left. And as we were leaving, Stanton was sitting there by himself having breakfast. And uh, as I said, good morning to him. You know, how you doing? And... Uh, he said, good. And he said, what are you guys up to? And I said, oh, we're heading out to crash site. And he looks at me and he goes, you know, nobody really knows where the crash site's at. <laughs> <laughs> From Stanton Free. Wow, that's yeah, that's something. <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah, I know. But we're just going where, you know, <laughs> snooping around. So, wow. yeah, I didn't want to get into it about David's stuff. But we, we went as far as we could get with the cars. And we come to chain, you know, barbed wire fence. So we ended up climbing over the barbed wire fence <laughs> and, uh, yeah, walked about 45 minutes in the 114 degree desert heat and, uh, got to this location that the GPS is confirmed, but it's an interesting story because twice on the way out there, the two GPSs went blank. Mm. How's that possible? <clears throat> Sounds like Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. <laughs> so we get out there to that location, and uh, we actually uh, claimed the territory for Christ, and we did communion and cool. blew the shofar and all that stuff. And um, David does a talk about it. You know, it's on my video. I'm going to have to watch that. I didn't see that. Yeah, I'll send you the link. It was pretty good. Uh, now, what my feeling was about that, if you look at on the map, the low, if you look on the map, the location where that actually was mm -hmm. in relation to the stories, it's quite interesting. And I just had this gut feeling about it. And I don't, I have no idea, but I told the guy I was with, um, I said, you know, I just got this feeling that this was a spiritual event. I said, whatever happened here, this location is where they came through. Mm 
You know, David Flynn, when I was watching the video, uh, he goes through all the math. Yes. And it's, I, I've been watching Skinwalker Ranch. Not that I believe it's any of the UFO garbage, but it's interesting that they keep coming up with a 1.6 um, hertz. Is it giga, gigahertz? I forgot what they call it. Um, but this this keeps resonating at certain points, and then all of a sudden these things show up. And he mentioned 1.6 in several of his calculations. And I thought, what a, you know, obviously that's not a coincidence. <laughs> I mean, there's something to that. Um, do you know anything about that? You know, David Flynn's numbers and all the mathematics behind this? I mean, is, is it opening up? Like, I know uh, Alistair Crowley and um, uh, the jet propulsion guy. Um, oh, my gosh, what's his name? Uh, they they were, you know, trying to open up these these portals, they were calling them, right? And these demons were coming through. And, and of course, they looked like greys <laughs> when they came through. Um, so you see this, uh, do you, are you familiar with Alistair Crowley's mm. work? Okay. Yeah. So I, I just find that fascinating that it's, you see the same cycles, right? It doesn't matter what, right. what, what they're trying to do, but it's the same demonic things. It's just like you said with a Ouija board, right? Just, just go back to the sixties, buy a Ouija board and you can do the same thing <laughs> and you get the same results, you know? Um, but I, I find that fascinating that how is it possible that these your peers don't see that like they have to at some point say okay yeah i do see a connection with this stuff but they don't they they willingly go blindfold and say uh la 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 i don't hear you i don't see you <laughs> you know it's just that that 2008 conference that i did in roswell the <laughs> the the two primary talks that i did at the very end not I did, but that I had was David Flynn. He did two oh, talks. Man, he had to blow their minds. He did, and they were oh, so man. upset. Oh man, oh, <laughs> they were gosh. so upset. And, you know, and I own all those talks to that, and I've got those up there. They're up there on my website too. The uh, on the YouTube channel. I watched that. Yeah, I've seen that yeah. a couple times. Yeah. Very yeah, you guys. If you're I, obviously the links are here at the bottom, and I'll put them in the description again in case someone's joining us. Just you know, there's a couple new guys in here. Um, you, you got to go to his website, subscribe, and um, you will not be disappointed. <laughs> Trust me. If if you if you've looked into the UFO phenomenon and you haven't seen Joe's work, then it's not complete. This this shuts the door on it. I mean, in my opinion, and and I. You know, from a Christian point of view, this is 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever it was when I was researching all this stuff. And I put a lot of time in. I was watching everything, reading everything. I can tell you, this was the this was the nail in the coffin. When I came to CE4 and realized, oh my gosh, it is demonic. This has nothing to do with little gray men and, and you know, Martians and all this nonsense they've been telling us for, for decades. And, uh, try, and supposedly hiding from us, you know, and, and keeping us in, in, in the dark with this stuff. It's all demonic. That's that's what it is. It's very very simple conclusion, yep. and and the people that the the people in the industry, Joe's peers and his colleagues, they willingly close their eyes to it. It's it's a they they can't deny it. If if they truly go by the science, like you said earlier, how do you prove a science uh, equation? It's got to be repeatable. A pro, an experiment has to be repeatable. If it's not repeatable, you throw it out. And you've repeated it like, I don't know, 700 <laughs> times or whatever. Like it's, come on, that's not a coincidence. 
It's just funny. I had a couple questions here for you, Joe, from the uh, chat. No, everybody's scared to call in for some reason. I wish someone would call in, but a um, couple. Uh, one was about uh, Rendlesham uh, Forest. Uh, have you looked into that at all? Am I pronouncing uh, it right? Is it Rendlesham? Yeah, yeah, Rendlesham. yeah Rendlesham, Rendlesham Forest. That's the one in in England. Um, Colonel Halt. That's an interesting one. I, I wish I could get more information about that one. I actually had the opportunity to uh, uh, to talk with him. He was supposed to to come talk there on base there in Korea when I was there, but uh, it didn't work out. He he was supposed to come over for a vacation. His wife is Korean, and uh, it never linked up. But I, I still hope I get a chance to talk with him sometime. Um, I know people have written books about Reynolds and Forest event, but he was the colonel there. Mm-hmm. And I really would like to talk to him instead of the researchers that are trying to make money off the book. This this was um, the event that happened on Christmas, correct? It was like yeah, or Christmas but, Eve or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they had something that they said it came down uh, in the woods there. It, it's a fascinating story. I just don't have enough information to make a decision on what happened there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I remember correctly, they it this thing lands in the forest, and then they they actually see some uh, inscriptions on the side of this supposed craft, um, and then there were some weird events that followed. I mean, a lot of I think nu- a nuclear plant was shut down or something, and yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other question was uh, our good friend Two Rivers. Uh, and I'm gonna have to go back and find it. He had mentioned back in the '60s there was the. Uh, hang on, let me find it. My chat keeps moving. I got to pause it here. Uh, he said, "Ask him about the Air Force flying saucer ex- experiments uh, back in the '60s." I'm not sure if I understand that totally. Two Rivers, um, if I'm if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Two Rivers, but I think you're talking about when they were re- doing all the reverse engineering. Now that I do remember uh, Bob Lazar's case of Area 51, and supposedly he had seeing these craft and and they were trying to reverse engineer um have you ever had a chance to talk to bob lazar personally not talk to him but i've followed his work for the past 20 years here's the problem with that one uh there's a whole lot of truth there mm-hmm. <laughs> let me give you uh, i'm trying to give you the best example i used to do a lot of talks for uh church youth groups and I was trying to get them to understand how disinformation can make a mess of things. And my son helped me out with this, you know, because he was a youth at the time. And I was trying to get him to say, I need a visual to try to get them to understand what I'm talking about mm-hmm. here. So I would take a, uh, a, a bottle of water and one that hadn't been opened and a nice tall glass, clear glass. And I would say, this is truth. And I would pop the top and they would hear me know that it was unopened bottle of fresh water. And I'd pour it in the glass. And my son had taken this old iodine bottle with the eyedropper, you know, the brown mm-hmm. bottle with the eyedropper. And we peeled all the letters off, you know, the stickers off of it. And he put a sticker on it, had a skull and crossbones. So it represented poison. Mm-hmm. And we put a food coloring in it 
and I would say, I would pour the fresh water in the tall glass, and I'd say, this is a glass of truth. Would you drink it? And they said, oh, yeah, no problem. You know, these are kids I'm talking to. And then I'd take that dropper out, and I'd show it to them. i say, this is poison. And I'd take that eyedropper, and I'd carefully put one drop in it, and I'd reach over, and I'd put that one drop in that water. <laughs> well, you know, that big glass of clear water and that one drop of mm -hmm. colored you know, food coloring, mm -hmm. when you drop it in there, it wouldn't even change the color mm -hmm. of the water. And I say, now would you drink it? Oh, no, that's poison in there. I don't see any poison. I saw you put it in there. I don't see it. That one little drop is enough to spoil the whole thing. And I think that's what's happened with the Bob Lazar story. The problem is you don't know which part of it is that little drop. Mm -hmm. So as far as I'm concerned, I ain't following any of it. It's a waste of time. You know, it's interesting you use that analogy. I've used that analogy, a similar one, except I used urine, <laughs> which is kind of gross. But I, because a lot of people said, well, why would God reject any of his creation? You know, and I said, because of sin. And they're like, well, everybody's sin. I said, yeah, I get it. And I said, because God is perfect, our understanding of perfect is not the same as God's. Okay. So we can't get back to perfect. We're born in sin. It's in our nature. We can't help it. And I've used the analogy. <clears throat> I said, what if I took one eye drop of urine? <clears throat> put it in a glass, same thing. You wouldn't see it. It wouldn't discolor the water. I said, and you knew I put it in there. Would you drink it? They're like, of course I wouldn't drink it. I'm like, well, why? It's just one drop. It's 16 ounces of water with one drop of urine. You're not going to taste it. It's not going to bother you. You're not going to die. But no one's going to drink that water if they see that, you know, unless you're some kind of disturbed <laughs> individual or something sadistic. But it's it's the same analogy. It's like <clears throat> you you don't get back to perfect after that. And, and, and no. God, that's what we are. And he had to buy us back with his own son. So yeah, that analogy is a great one. Um, okay. So two rivers clarified. He said, um, is he aware of the U S air forces flying saucer experiment projects in New Mexico, uh, sometime in the sixties? Yes. They were like test flights. He says, yeah. Okay. And that's just, I mean, again, now that doesn't mean it was reverse engineered. I mean, we know no. that the Nazis were already using saucer shaped craft. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, to me, it's just another experience of, of aviation. You know, they're just trying to find another way and different That's propulsion it. systems. Yeah. It's funny, though. You know, you're kind of, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever called you this, Joe, but you're kind of the Grinch that stole the, <laughs> the alien agenda. <laughs> no. Just... <laughs> what did I tell you? I, I, I learned how to think properly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Remember, even Carl Sagan said that. He said, we, we look at the most, what did he say? The, uh, it was something about extraordinary something. Basically the same thing I'm talking about. You don't look for the most ridiculous answers first. It's Occam's razor. Yeah, it's, they come last. Yeah. Everything else has got to be rolled out first. Yep. Yeah, you know, it's, it's the same way. It's the same way I do my safety, you know, observations, incident investigations. You know, if a guy has a, if he has an accident on a forklift, you know, and 
uh, he gets injured or damages something, I go, you know, I have to ask why, you know? And then when he, he gives me an answer, that's not the, the answer he gives me is not going to be the reason. I've got to go, well, why did, why did you let that happen? Mm. You know, there's always going to be another one, another mm -hmm. one, another one, another one, another one, another one, until you get to the root cause, you know? And then you can deal with the root cause because if you don't deal with the root cause, it's going to happen again, you know? And the whole thing might come down to what it was lack of training from his supervisor. You know, that might have been the root cause. Mm -hmm. Not because he wasn't paying attention or something like that. Maybe it just was lousy training. You know, you got to get to the root cause to stop it from happening again. And I pretty much do the same thing with my investigations. You know, you got to rule everything else out first. It makes sense. I mean, I don't. We live in a microwave society, so everybody wants stuff now, you know, and quickly. Yeah. And I mean, but, it, you know, I it, not to go into politics, but I mean, with what's going on with the whole January 6th and just all, there's a lot of nonsense that's out there. And sure. And a lot of people say, well, I want justice. There's there's a lot of people that have been, you know, that aren't treated right. And, and there's no justice anymore. Justice, the wheel of justice spun, spins very slowly if you do it correctly. The other yeah. side doesn't use justice. So it's very quick. But it always catches up with you. The truth will always catch up to you. That's it. the God, you know, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you follow that truth, all the, the deception that, that Joe's been talking about tonight, it just dissipates. You just see right through it. it. It's so obvious to us that have our spiritual blinders off. And it's I, I it's so refreshing. I, I again, like just going back 10, 12 years ago, when I when I came across your stuff, I, I was just like this guy gets it. <laughs> he gets it. Like it's, this is what I felt inside. I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't, obviously I didn't do all the research that you had done, but I, it just rung true. My spirit was ringing true because it was the spirit of truth that was presenting it. And I just love that we can talk through these things. And I mean, these are all fascinating things to talk about. Rendlesham Forest and, and, the, and the Roswell crash and, you know, Betty and, and Barney Hill. All these stories are fascinating and they've been, they're kind of like these lore, right? It's, it's just this folklore that's been in our culture and it's like, wow, this really happened. And, you know, and, and it's, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to, to get involved in that, that storyline and in fiction, but that's what it is. It's not, it was, mm -hmm. it's deception. It's just not, it's the same old tricks. The devil's been playing from the garden. <laughs> it's tough. He just spins it a little differently for the culture. You yeah. know, science fiction was big in the 40s, especially in the fifties. I mean, that's what, what was it? The, the day the earth stood still, right? Wasn't that like oh, 1951 yeah. or I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that you put that in people's mind and then what Orson Welles did on the radio in the, what, the late thirties, early forties, whatever that was. Well, 38. 38. It's like, you're, you're already setting people up for mass delusion. <laughs> it's just, it was already there. It was, it was ripe for the taking. And then, you know, you, the aliens supposedly, they know that. I mean, just like Joe said earlier, they know they're, they're watching us. They're observing us. And they get to do it without us seeing them doing it. So it seems like, oh, they have all this mind control or they know our thoughts or they know. No, they don't. It's all observation. And, you know, and they, they just know us better than we know ourselves sometimes. You know, I, Miko is the minister I have on for deliverance ministry. 
She's been on a couple times, and I'll be having her back in probably a few weeks. She's local here in Detroit area. And um, it's funny. She actually, if you go to her website, she has an actual deliverance there. There's a man that was demon-possessed, and she's they're trying to baptize him, and he won't go under the water. It takes like five minutes. <laughs> it's It's pretty intense. And, you know, he starts growling and all these things that the demons do to try to, you know, make us scared or, you know, run the other way or something to intimidate us. But yet, if you look at the alien abduction stuff, it's it's the same thing. It's just done in a different fact. Like, they're using the yes. same tricks. You yes. see it over and over and over again. It's a pattern. If it's a pattern, there's something to it. Like, there's something going on. And, you know, I get it. There's there's going to be people that watch the show eventually, and they're, and they're on the other side of the aisle, and they want to believe in aliens. Well, you're no one's telling you don't believe in them. You can believe in whatever you want. But if you want to believe a lie, I don't know why you would want to do that. Don't you want to seek the truth instead of just going along with this whole narrative that they've been pushing on us for decades now? And then it's, it's hidden, which makes it more mysterious, you know, Joe? Like, keeping it, oh, when's disclosure coming? When's disclosure? Like... It's it's like this purposeful thing of just keeping us on our edge of our seats and oh man what if it happens tomorrow we've already had disclosure folks like it's not yes. it's not it's not something to wait for which you would agree with the disclosure's already been taken care of right I mean it's whether you call it soft disclosure I don't know, whatever you want to call it but it's just it's it's more to me it's propaganda it is it is. You know, and the thing is, as Christians, we have we have disclosure. It's just a matter of what are we going to do with it. Yeah, good point. Yeah, we have the ultimate disclosure. <laughs> you know, I I've got a a friend of mine. Um, he's got a brand new book that's coming out, hmm. and uh, he's a he's a counselor. And. Oh man, he's he's he put something together. I want to read you a quote out of his book. When I saw this, I was absolutely blown away. This was his perspective looking at this. Um, I don't want to give too much away because this is a guy you probably should have on your show. And uh, I will tell you, this is this is the most fascinating thing. Um, <laughs> This is, I was just, I'd never seen anybody look at this from this perspective. My understanding is that the alien message, the majority of this purported biological mixture of expressed technology, spirit and flesh bring as one of confusion, which in turn indicates how confused they themselves may be. I am convinced these things are spooked by us, that they see an image of something that they want to be, that they know what we are in respect to identity, but that we as humans do not know who we represent. Could it be that there is a mingling of rogue and good in this esoteric synthesis? Could it be that they are trying to figure out why God image beings are acting so dumb, forgetting who they are and mirroring a twisted image? Could it be that both malevolent and good 
those that even kept their domain are not permitted as yet to tell us who we are, that it is not in their, not in their remit. Although it seems very evident the corrupt ones push boundaries and make out they are otherworldly, thus pushing the doors for more access. From the handful of interactions I had with journalists on the field and interviews with adults, those consciousness were impacted as children through intervention with silver saucers, entities, and having explored the new age scene, I discovered that boundaries have indeed been broken. Well said. <laughs> wow. wow. That's a yeah, lot. That's what I said. Wow. A lot packed into a, a paragraph there. I'm telling you. And, you know, I just had to go, man. You know, and, and he didn't even realize it, but there's a piece of scripture that kind of relates to this. And I had to point it out to him. And, uh, you know, it comes out of Ephesians, you know, where it talks about, um, oh, I'd have to look it back up. You know, is it, is it in chapter six or? No, it was earlier on Probably where it talks about reasons too, maybe, Let's you know, see. we are be, we are supposed to be examples to the angels, mm. you know, mm -hmm. and he's making this comment here that we're not even remembering who we are, mm -hmm. you know, and they're puzzled by that. You know, that's interesting because when we were, me and Michael were doing our second part with, with your material last week, we discussed image bearers mm -hmm. and, you know, we are his expressed image here. Well, Jesus Christ is, but we're his, we're his image bearers on this earth and the demonic realm. Every time they look at us, they can't stand us. They hate, they literally hate that because they've been cast down. Right. And they know there's no, there's no redemption for them. We have redemption. The angelic realm does not have redemption. They will face judgment and be thrown in the lake of fire. And the book of Revelation talks about. So when they see the image of us, there's pro I, I would have to think there's some kind of jealousy too with that, uh, uh, Joe. Because I think when if, if you go back to Genesis 6 and the whole account with the Nephilim and all that stuff, um, I my belief is, and I, you might differ with me on this one, my belief is that the spirit of, when, when the flood came, the spirit of the Nephilim were what remained. Cause it says after that they were after here after the flood also. So to me, it's their spiritual being was left on the earth. Obviously their physical bodies had been destroyed, but they still need to act out on their sinful nature. So they need a host. They need something to get inside of, to act it out on. And it makes total sense to me that now for, you know, you know, I, I believe the Earth's probably six, seven thousand years old, somewhere in that range. I mean, some might mm -hmm. differ, but that's my belief. Um, I think there's good evidence to show that. It it would make sense that these generation to generation, they're watching us, they're watching our behavior, and they just they literally want to tear us apart. But but they need us to act out on their lustful desires. And if in what better way, if you're mad at God and you're shaking your fist at him, than to inhabit his creation? made in his image 
Yep. And 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 I mean, look, let's face it. We were just talking about I, the reason I asked about all the sexual stuff that goes on during these so-called abductions is because that's the Bible talks very clearly that that's something that's you defile the image by that men with men, women with women, even, you know, outside of the, the marriage bed and all this stuff. It makes sense to me. It makes total sense that that's how they can get us off the track and obviously never to know the savior but also to act out their their devilish deeds here on earth i mean that that what he said that kind of i mean that kind of goes along those that thinking there yep yeah it was, it's I that's very totally deep that needs to be read like deep. four or five times i know <laughs> to get the full <laughs> full impact of it yeah i look forward to seeing his book out yeah, who who was he again? Uh, I'll let you know oh, okay. when right. it comes out. Gotcha. I'll make sure you got it. Gotcha. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I'd love uh, to read that. I, I, he was he was living in Beijing. I think he's relocated to Thailand right now. Okay. You'll be fascinated. Well, I'll, I'll give you a little hint. You can search him out. Okay. Uh, cool. He has. This is twofold. His book's twofold. And. I think he's, I'm hoping he's done this the right way. I've been working with him for a while. He had one book he was going to do. And I said, no, you got two stories here. So I'm hoping he did this in two books. He's got his testimony of who he was. And then he's got this work as a counselor with his perspective on this UFO research. And uh, I'll give you who he was. And you could look him up. Um, back in the '90s, because we cr our our work has crossed paths years ago, and now we're working together, hmm. which is a fascinating story in itself. But when I first came to the truth with that first case, all of a sudden pops up this story in the news. Here I here I found that. Jesus Christ could stop alien abductions. And then all of a sudden, this news story shows up. This guy in England is selling alien abduction insurance. <laughs> oh, yes, he was wow. very well. He became very well known very fast. <laughs> he had the backing of uh, Lloyd's of London and everything. Uh, that's who I'm talking about. Hmm. I'm going to have to look into that one. He later, <laughs> I don't remember he, that. <laughs> he went through some really crazy stuff and ended up eventually giving his life to Christ and has made a complete wow. change. Yes. So cool. Yes. Very and now cool. Is, and now has this powerful story out. Yeah. You know, someone in the chat had mentioned a certain person that's um, believes in the whole alien thing. And, and look, I get it. It's, it's, Again, I said, people are, you're open to believe whatever you want. It's free. That's why we have free will. God didn't make us robots. He gives us a choice. And if you want to pursue that, I pursued it. I know what that's about. I did it. I, I, I avoided God. You know, I knew he existed, but I was like, well, you know, I'm sure he's, all these religions are the same. I grew up Catholic. Um, you know, I didn't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior until I was like 32, 33 years old. And it's, it's 
funny when I look back, I'm thinking, boy, you were an idiot. You know, it was right in front of you the whole time. But I understand why there's people today, they'd rather look to aliens than the God of the universe. Because there's no accountability. No. You don't, you don't have to be accountable for your own sin. Nope. So why would, if, if I have an easy way out, or I, so I think, and I can, you know, worship these things and wait for them to come save us or whatever they, you know, the, the, whatever the narrative is this decade, um, then, yeah, why wouldn't you worship them? And that's the that's that strong delusion that that Joe's talking about. Like that, it's if you want that, you're going to have it served on a silver platter. Spirituality so. without accountability. Yes, yes. Let's face it; that's what it always comes down to. No one wants to be held accountable. No one yeah. likes looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, "Oh, I'm a sinner." That doesn't make you feel good. <laughs> you know, it's like the gospel wasn't meant it, it, though it's good news it wasn't meant to make you feel good it was meant to convict you to come to him and understand wow i can't do this yeah. myself i need a i need a i need a superman you know i need a hero yeah well that hero is jesus christ the only perfect man without sin and you know and i i just i find it baffling sometimes that christians don't understand i get the non-believers but the, i can't tell you how many times joe i come across christians that don't get the the basics and i mean it just shows you the failure of of our church the system the i call it the babylon system it but it's the the church has failed miserably in preaching the gospel and what it truly yeah. is and that it's not about feeling good all the time no but it's you're wrestling your spirit is wrestling flesh it's a battle we're in a war until the resurrection. Yeah. And if you don't understand it, you're going to live a very defeated Christian life. I have a friend of mine. She calls me. She used to call me four times a week. Elderly lady. And she would call. And I don't know. We go back and forth. And I've been talking to her for five years, Joe. And she just, she has a, a particular sin that she holds on to and says, well, God can't forgive that one. I said, oh, really? I said, so <laughs> he can forgive all the other ones, but but your particular sin that's whole, you, he can't, no, he can't. I said, that sounds like you. That doesn't sound like God. Because when I read the gospel, I see a much different story. And she's, it's, it, and I think I might've had a breakthrough <laughs> last week. She, I, I told her, I said, I said, I will not talk to you anymore until you start reading about God's grace. I said, until, until you can explain it to me, I'm not going to talk to you about all this other stuff. So she sent me a couple scriptures and I said, ah, okay, we might be on the right path. Let's see where it goes. But if, you know, if you're a willing, if you're willingly submitting to that nonsense, like, I mean, come on, like, he's not going to forgive that one sin. That's pride. That's yep. what that is. <laughs> yep. I told her, you know, you're going <laughs> to, this is kind of funny, but it's, it was mean. I think looking back and I kind of wish I didn't say this to her. I said one time she goes to a, ironically, she goes to a church called Grace Community Church. <laughs> <laughs> Ironic. And I told her, I said, I'm not going to use her name. I said, I said, you know, <clears throat> If you truly believe, because she kept quoting um, when the woman was talking to Jesus about, uh, and he called her an adulteress and all these things. She says, she says, well, you know, he, he caught her in that sin and she, he, and he told her go and sin no more. And I said, yeah, he did. Yep. I said, but she was forgiven. She believed in the savior. She was forgiven. And she's, she says, well, in the old Testament in the, in the commandments, it says, if you commit this sin, um, you know, you're, you're damned. Right. And I said, I said, well, technically, it says that you needed to be stoned. I said, so if, if you believe, if you want to live by the Old Testament, then we have to go by the rules of the Old Testament. I said, so I'm going to call your pastor, 
And this Sunday, I'm going to have him and his congregation pray over you. And then they're going to take you out in the parking lot. And they're going to stone you. <laughs> and she's, and she, no, I mean, that sounds terrible. You know, I mean, it's, I'm thinking back and I kind of wish I didn't say it. And she starts laughing. I said, I said, no. I said, that's, that's the rules of the Old Testament. You want to live by them, you got to die by them. And she, and, and it, I think it made her think like, oh, wow, I didn't think about it that way. But that's what we all do that to some mm-hmm. extent. You know, we think we're going to earn our way or something, or we're going to please God more. <laughs> I mean, it just it's just a bunch of nonsense. Uh, let let the arrest begin, says Gino. Tough love is real. That's why God invented eons ago. <laughs> what he invented? It. Yeah. <laughs> tough love is real sometime. And, it, it, you know, it, hey, God's love is tough. You know, it's it's not meant to be sugar-coated and taken like a, you know, candy or something. It's just it's just hard-hitting truth. I had a I had lots of friends that have talked to me over the years in private and they're like, you know, they, they can't get over they just can't get over themselves. That's usually the problem. Yep. And the these these so-called aliens, they play on that. They play on our weaknesses. They know them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joe, I'm gonna. It's we're we're almost exactly at four hours here. What a fascinating time! I'm so thankful that you came on, and and I I, I was actually I, I was telling Michael before I when I first emailed you, I was thinking there's no way he's gonna answer this email. <laughs> there's just I'm just this little guy. He ain't gonna, and, and so I I send the email, and it's like literally like five minutes later, I I just look at my phone. I'm like, wait a minute, someone emailed me back already, and I couldn't believe it. I was just stunned. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. He he actually got back to me, and then you know we were. We obviously we hadn't met until tonight face to face, and I, it's just what an honor. I mean, I'm I'm thankful for your research. I'm thankful for the hard work you've put in, and and just being up against it daily, you know, especially in the in the in the field you're in. And I know it's just these guys just wish you would go away, probably some of them, <laughs> you know. So, but it's it's so as a Christian <clears throat> first. It's just so awesome to see one of us, one of my brothers, out there doing the fighting, not just sitting on his hands doing nothing. And I appreciate that. <clears throat> yeah, you. you know, and and God keeps me humble all the time too. You know, I, I don't have that opportunity like they do to to get the big ego because my job that I've been had the opportunity to be blessed with is uh, as a safety guy. Uh, it keeps me humble. Mm-hmm. because I go to work every day and, you know, everybody hates the safety guy. So. <laughs> it's kind of like when OSHA would walk in when I worked at the shop. Everybody, all of a sudden, everybody's got their glasses on, their helmets and yeah. gloves. And, yeah, you know, so, you know, I don't get to, I don't get the, an opportunity to come home with an ego, you know. <laughs> I it keeps come you home. in check. It keeps me in check. So That's funny. Well, I appreciate you, and I, I'm just so thankful. And you are always welcome back here on Insight um, or on me Thank and Michael's you. show, Blender. Um, I, the reason we're on my, just so the people in the channel, the reason we're on my show tonight on, on Insight is because I'm having problems with my other, we, I have a pro, program called OBS, and it's for streaming. And I have different scenes, so if I'm doing a different show, I flip to it. For some reason, we're having audio problems on that one, and I have no idea why. And I didn't want to take the chance on having audio problems tonight of all nights, so we we went with this one. If people are confused, um, but um, anytime, Joe, you're welcome back here. And if you know you want to promote your book and talk about it or whatever, that's I'm looking forward to that coming out. Uh, but you have any any last words for the uh, the chat? 
Yeah, tell anybody out there, you know, if, if you want to talk to me personally, if you've had experiences, mm -hmm. and especially if you want to share your testimony, if you have a testimony of these experiences, you know, this is what CE4 does. We've been given the mission to share these testimonies with the world so that when the, you know, when they say, you know, is this real? I say, well, how many testimonies is it going to take to show you this is real? That's what this is about. This is what we do. You want to share your testimony? You need to just talk to somebody about this. I answer my emails and then I give you a phone call, a phone number and we'll talk. Okay. This is what I do. This is what I've always done. I'm not a big name that I won't talk to you. Mm -hmm. You know, feel free to reach out to the email. It's right there. And uh, I'll respond to you. That's what I do. That's what I've been doing. He will definitely respond. Years. I can attest yeah, to that. I will. <laughs> I will. And like I said, guys, I'm going to put all the information in the uh, description, both on Rumble here in Foxhole. Uh, we are on Twitch and DLive. However, they don't upload videos there. So you'll have to get at one of these two locations. And hopefully by September 9th, I will have my YouTube channel back. And uh, you know what's what's so funny, Joe? The reason I was I was given two strikes for medical misinformation, and I was using the CDC's website. <laughs> <laughs> I, I they just told me, yeah, that CDC's full of it. So I I agree with them. It was medical misinformation. Nice. Yeah. Um, so they proved my point. Um, anyway, guys, love you guys so much. Thank you for dropping by. Let me. Oh, I gotta give out the gold pills. Um, there's a gold pill system here on Foxhole. If they donate to the creator of the channel, and then we give back at the end. So I'm releasing that, guys. Uh, let's see here. Yep, released. Go ahead and get yourself some gold pills. Love you guys. Thanks. I saw a lot of familiar faces tonight. Some new ones. Some a lot of lurkers out there. Hopefully, you enjoyed uh, Joe Jordan's um, testimony and his research. Because guys, please check out his youtube channel check out his website so much information there so many great videos and testimonies um fascinating stuff and uh, it's it's the truth he's getting the truth out and we appreciate that uh joe if you can just hang on for a second i'm going to go ahead and stop the stream and say goodbye everybody i, I play my little outro I, I have a ferris bueller outro that i i usually play at the end of the show okay. so <laughs> i'll play that for them and guys love you take care and I, um oh by the way i'll be uh tuesday night Red, White, and Boom, uh, Megan Walsh back on in The Hollywood Reporter, and uh, we will be discussing more of Megan's case. We got some really good breaking news uh, as far as lawyers go, and um, it looks like we're making some headway in her case. So um, join us at, I think, 8 o'clock on Tuesday right here on my channel. Thanks, guys. Take care.